Center 11. It's 60 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A little more information has come out about the medical procedure Melania Trump underwent Monday morning to treat what was called a benign kidney condition by the White House. According to the White House, the 48-year-old First Lady underwent an embolization procedure. A specialist said such a procedure might be done to stop bleeding from a benign tumor, a small aneurysm, or to stop the growth of a tumor. Some medical experts found it odd Melania is expected to remain in the hospital for the rest of the week, saying it is normally just an outpatient procedure. Today is primary election day in the Commonwealth. Voters will choose their party's nominees, with the winners facing off in the general election in November. On the ballot, voters will see races for Congress and U.S. Senate, as well as governor and lieutenant governor and state rep. Polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. this evening. And despite the fact that the districts were realigned recently, your polling place most likely will be the same. If it has changed, you would have received a notice telling you so. According to a new study, lifting weights can reduce symptoms of depression. Of course, pumping iron improves your body, making your muscles and bones stronger, but researchers found it also improves your emotional health by increasing blood flow to the brain, changing the structure and function of the brain, and actually creating new brain cells. Well, yoga pants, of course, we know all the rage. People wear them everywhere, but one place you should not wear them, to get an MRI. (laughs) Doctors are warning people against yoga pants because when the magnetic imaging hits the lycra and spandex, it can actually burn the pants right onto your skin. Most hospital staff are aware of the risk (laughs) and will have you change if you show up for an MRI in yoga pants, but maybe just leave them for the yoga studio. Yeah, please don't start a yoga pants fire (laughs) at the hospital. Could you imagine the abject fear that would happen as the your pants were melting onto your legs while that machine gun sounding thing was happening all around you no it would probably be the feeling that you think is going to come every time you hear that noise but never does right yeah (laughs) like oh it's finally happening right (laughs) it's finally melting my pants to my legs (laughs) i'm just imagining that i'm just imagining that uh, and don't you probably shouldn't wear a thunder shirt either, right? Because that'll probably melt. No compression shirts of any kind, I would imagine. Yeah, probably, yeah, no spandex lycra. Mm. Uh, North Carolina man in trouble with the law over accusations. He showed up naked at two restaurants. Police in Asheville say Jeremy Justice was laying on the sidewalk of a Buffalo Wild Wings, completely exposed the other day. <laughs> but things escalated after that. <laughs> Officers say he ran off before they got there, but somebody captured a video of the naked ordeal and showed it to police. Uh, He's also accused of turning up naked at a Taco Bell before the Buffalo Wild Wings incident. He was eventually caught. He was found, however, with his clothes back on, hiding at a nearby business. And we've all had to take our coats and shoes off at an airport checkpoint, but a Florida man did take things a little further. This is like the naked news today. This guy stripped completely naked and rode around the luggage carousel. Hey, that's fun. A witness alerted an airport deputy to some suspicious behavior on the part of John T. Greenwood, who was running around, spinning on the baggage device, screaming, We gotta get out of here! <laughs> uh, when the edibles kick in after your plane lands. At Wait one a second, point, that's not my bag. Uh, at one point, the 25-year-old made reference to a bomb, which led police to briefly clear the terminal before giving the all-clear signal. Police also tased him when he tried to gain access to a secure part of the airport. Greenwood was taken into custody and transported to a hospital for observation. He told police he took Molly. 
Well, there before you go. all this happened. Molly. Can you guys just drop me off at BW3s? <laughs> I'm super hungry. Foreigner celebrating its first number one album on both the classical albums and classical crossover charts. The band's latest release, Foreigner, with the 21st Century Symphony Orchestra and Chorus, this week debuted atop both charts. The live album features reinterpretations of some of the band's biggest hits, including Double Vision, Feels Like the First Time, and Urgent. Come on, I had not even heard of that. The orchestral Foreigner album? Yeah, just got released. Wow. Neil Young is announcing he's quitting Facebook to concentrate on his online archives. <laughs> Neil website. Young was on Facebook. I know. That's just the strangest thing. <laughs> I'm done playing Farmville. In a it's Facebook. Better to log off. <laughs> Before he quit, he posted on Facebook. Uh, he described the website as a giant time machine cabinet filled with multiple media, including full albums. Singles, manuscripts, art, film, and video. He says that as of June 1st, fans will be charged $1.99 a month or $19.99 a year for access to the archives. I can't believe he was on Facebook. That just makes me laugh so hard. Maybe all uh, these guys are on there. Probably. (laughs) Right. There's no question. And finally, Chris Cornell's widow is announcing plans for a one-year anniversary of his death event at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Vicki Cornell says a public event will take place this Friday at 7 o'clock. She is encouraging the millions of fans worldwide to share posts and videos of how Cornell's music touched them. She also suggests fans might light a candle, say a prayer, and speak his name on that day. Scattered showers and thunderstorms near 80 for the high today at 60 at DVE. It is the DVE Morning Show. I want to let you know who's on uh, the program today. Today's a program. There's a program today. It's a radio radio program. Nope. Show's been canceled. Jerry Clark is going to be on at uh, 745. He is the FBI agent. That was featured in the blockbuster new documentary on Netflix, Evil Genius. Everybody's talking about this. This is the the new Making a Murderer. It's so good. Jerry Clark uh, featured prominently in that, uh, the key investigator for the FBI, in the Marjorie Deal Armstrong, Brian Wells murder, bank robbery, the collar bomb, the pizza bomber. Mm -hmm. This is the craziest story. Bizarre. It's, it's. Just kind of unbelievable as you're watching it that all of these events actually happened and we were following them in real time back in the early 2000s, but it just all seems so crazy. Like, well, what this couldn't have happened because so many things had to come together in order for these people who were basically a bunch of drug addicted, you know, fringe goofball, fringe society, society. people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hoarders. And everybody's a hoarder. Everybody's a hoarder. <laughs> They're all hoarders. Every one of them. Everyone's a hoarder. They're all pack rats. Yeah. Which is what hoarders used to be. So, right. It used to be a pack rat. Well, but you know why? Because I feel like pack rat denotes some sort of ability to actually pack. It would be like <laughs> in on cupboards and shelves yes. and stuff. Stacked nicely. Right. Hoarders just throw crap everywhere and step over it and sleep oh on God. top of computer towers like that guy was doing, which is like, what? Uh, so Jerry Clark will talk about this new documentary that everyone is talking about. Also, uh, the new uh, Supreme Court ruling, which will allow states to legalize gambling, sports gambling, and its effect now on professional sports being discussed. We're going to talk about it with Doug Zarian from ESPN. Uh, he is the uh, uh, host of the Behind the Bets podcast. So Doug knows a lot about this. There's 
there's more than, oh, good, uh, I like sp- sports betting. I get to do it now. There's, I don't have to go to my bookie anymore. There's big ramifications here. Sure. Because teams are going to want to cash in on this and or stop it from happening so that they can control it. And uh, it, you've already seen the leagues make motions right now to say, hey, hey, hey. we're going to take an integrity fee. Yeah, we want to make sure that uh, this is all above board. We want to have some control in this. We're the thing they're going to be betting on. Uh, so there are uh, long-lasting and, and uh, big implications for professional sports and College your experience too, yeah, right? And your experience as a as a spectator. Uh, going forward, we'll talk with Doug Kazarian about that. Also, Billy Gardell is going to be hanging out with us live nice. in the 9 a.m. hour. I bet Billy has some thoughts on that. He he just might. Major traffic going on right now. Yeah, there's an yeah, accident on the Parkway West outbound. Oh, okay. Where is it on the it Parkway West outbound? Just past Green Tree. Oh, because it is uh, at a, not a standstill, but it's moving slow. So, yeah, be prepared for that. It's the DVE Morning Show. Hey, guys. Oh, hey, Steely, Steely. McVeigh. Hey, Steely, Steely. What have you been up to there? Well, I just got back from the Met Ball. The Met Ball? The huge fashion gala in New York? No, you know the Mets mascot, Mr. Met? Yeah. The guy with the ball for a head? Yeah. Yeah. He's got a big shindig for the Derby every year. Uh-huh. Miles, the Broncos mascot, races war paint, the Chiefs horse mascot oh, in the that's backyard. Cool. Yeah. We gamble on it. Sure. We take ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah. We just really melt our faces off and just right. bond with each other, you know? Yeah. A good old-fashioned mascot meltdown. Sounds fun. <laughs> hey, what jersey is that you're wearing? Oh, this? Yeah. Yeah. This here's a Mason Rudolph jersey. Oh, yeah. Right. I haven't been this excited for a draft pick in a long, long, long time. <laughs> Wait, what? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steely, you know, maybe you didn't hear, but uh, when you were gone, Ben, he's not a big fan of the Steelers having drafted Mason Rudolph. He's actually kind of pissed about it. Oh, really? Huh. Well, that doesn't sound like the Ben Roethlisberger I know. <laughs> wow. Steely. Jeez, I thought you were a big fan of Ben's. Well, why can't I be a fan of Ben and his younger, better-looking replacement? <laughs> Sorry, but that's just being a Steeler fan. So what, were you a big fan of Mason Rudolph when he was at Oklahoma State? or No. I'm a big fan of the fact that Mason Rudolph has never pantsed me in front of the team oh. or called me a big-jawed Twinkie and punched me in the face to see if cream came out of my ears. Also, Mason Rudolph has never hidden my beam on top of the scoreboard or used my hard hat for a toilet or donated my dump truck to the city of Finley, Ohio without telling me or thrown a tight spiral right at my teeth or used me as a paddleboard to float over to the point so until Mason Mason Rudolph shoves my head in a scalding vat of tomato soup at training camp every freaking year. Yeah, I'm a big Mason Rudolph fan. Yeah, I got uh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I understand. Hey, uh, you want to sign the card I got for Mace? Mace? Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to put it here in this care package basket I got for him. You know, right. just some stuff that he might need or forgot about. Like, nice basket. Uh, some protection, SPF right. 50 yeah. for training camp, that you know, was, some... Uh, Wet wipes in here, nice. gold bond, a little Look. Carmex for his 
lips. What? Fast acting to acting. <laughs> yeah, boy. fun comfort snacks. Yeah, you got Chocolate pretzels. Sure. Spunkmeyer cookies. Uh-huh. Also, I knitted him a hand muff to keep oh. his golden hands warm on those cold game days. <laughs> OMG, I can't wait till he gets here and replaces Ben Meatus Burger. <laughs> All right, settle down, Steely. <laughs> Want to hear my cheer? No. Yeah, you do. Rudolph, <laughs> with your arm so strong, won't you go? Get out, my... Steely. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, bye. Toodles. DVE Sports. Mike Prasuda with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, take it away. Sports is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. The Bucks are back in action tonight at PNC Park. 7.05, your scheduled first pitch. Between the White Sox and the Pirates, Trevor Williams for the Bucks. He's four and two with a three point one three ERA. He'll be opposed by Ronaldo Lopez, zero and two, three point three four. The Pirates check in at twenty three and seventeen, including a couple of wins over the White Sox, May eighth and ninth in Chicago, ten six and six five. That six five win achieved via a four run rally in the top of the ninth at guaranteed rate field that 23 and 17 record has the bucks one game off the pace being set by the brewers in the national league central division uh, pittsburgh is tied with st louis a game behind milwaukee although the bucks are four percentage points behind the cardinals the white Sox hit town at 10 and 27 they're coming off a 5-3 win over the cubs on sunday but that 10 and 27 record the worst in major league baseball chicago the only team in Major League Baseball, playing worse than 300 ball. Hmm. .270 winning percentage. Not good. Action in the minor leagues last night uh, included Josh Harrison making a rehab start at AA Altoona. He went 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, The Altoona curve lost to the Richmond Flying Squirrels 7-3. Nick Kingham started for Altoona. Went five innings, seven hits, four runs, all of them earned one walk and four strikeouts. That's weird. He had two good starts Yes, for the Buccos, and they sent him down. Haven't needed a fifth starter since his second start. And he's just... So they sent him to Altoona so he could pitch on his turn okay. and be on schedule to be called back when they need a fifth starter. Gotcha. On schedule. They haven't announced that's what they're going to do. But Yeah, he dominated... Uh, Triple A and did really well at the majors, and then he had a bad start at Double A Altoona last night. Guess those Richmond Flying Squirrels are better. <laughs> That's than what it is. <laughs> Damn thing. Flying Squirrels! Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights even things up with the Winnipeg Jets three to one in Winnipeg last night. Another one of those games. Uh, good scoring chances, hard to come by, and the Jets put a couple on a tee for Jonathan Marchessault of Vegas. Uh, one on a breakaway and one on a two on one, and that's how they're scoring goals in this series. Vegas was the team making the mistakes in game one. It was Winnipeg last night. Who's got the discipline? Who's not going to try to skate it through the neutral zone one on three and turn it over while your team's changing behind you, as Kyle Connor did last night, hmm. giving up a breakaway? Can't do that stuff at this time of the year. Can't. When will they learn? I. It is remarkable to me. I mean, look, the, the Penguins suffered greatly for it. In Game Six, that basically all season <laughs> was the turnaround. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of living on the sword's yeah. edge there. Game Six got them beat, to your point. But yeah, that's they didn't clean that stuff up all year. You cannot make low percentage, high risk plays at this time of the year. 
The goals are too hard to come by. If you make it easy for the other team, or easier, I should say, you're going to lose. And we were talking about it off air, Mike. I don't know if we ever said this on air, but that's why Sully is banging that play the right way drum in October. Yeah. It has to be in your veins by the time the playoffs roll around because you can't flip the switch. We saw it. You just can't do it mentally. You could do it for a game. Get away he, with it in the short term, but he at, was so fr- Sully was so frustrated with Latang. Imagine the amount of frustration he had on that last play. Just kind of like, oh, there it is, <laughs> there, there it is. is. Gee, who didn't see that coming? You know, Latang sliding oh, on his knees into the boards. Geez. You had to think of a way that it was going to end. That was probably at the top of everybody's list. Yeah. Also, tell fitting. me, if I, like, what am, am I inbounds to to acknowledge that Latang is uh, awesome and an integral part of many cups, and also did not have a great year coming back from injury. He did not have anything resembling a great year. Right. So, and I'm, they won the Stanley Cup last year without him. Why is that like? Okay, I've seen I've seen the word indispensable thrown around associated with Latang. By definition, that is not the case because they <laughs> won the Stanley Cup without him. Right. So he is dispensable. Yeah, real dispensable. Great talent, great skill, great wheels. He's got he's got a physical skill set, mm-hmm. but it's got to translate into a game that you can apply to high-leverage situations and not think, wow, this guy's 50-50 whether or not this guy's going to get us beat. And yet, there are a number of people listening to this right now yelling at their radio saying, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, Latang is the best. I would say we that can't do it. I, you know, just it, because we disagree doesn't necessarily mean one of us doesn't know what he's talking about. That's just my opinion. <laughs> As a guy who's covered hockey for 30-something years. Just watching these last couple of cups and, and you know watching hockey for pretty much my whole life, I like guys... I like Ham and Egger guys when it comes to the playoffs because they don't have the high end talent, so they know that that they can't play that way. That when guys have the type of talent Latang has, he thinks plays are there that aren't there, and sometimes he's able to make them because of his talent. And therein lies the the line that Sullivan is trying to get these guys to walk. You've heard him say many times, "We don't want to take the stick out of their hand." They're uh, it's in our DNA to try to score. We're creative and explosive. And they are. They, they have some world-class talent. But it's not better than the situation every time. It's just not. And you got, it's got to be applied the right way. And the Penguins kind of got away from that this year. They, the last two years, they, they were remarkable at their ability to assess situations and make the right play way more often than not. They didn't do that this year. They didn't do it in regular season. And then it periodically bit them in the postseason and got them eliminated. Am I wrong, or does it seem like Pirate fans and Penguin fans? And when I say that, you know what I mean by that. We're all Pirate fans and Penguin fans, but there are real Pirate fans and real Almost exclusively. Penguin fans. Yeah. For some reason, they will make excuses despite the evidence in front of them because of their love for a player. But yeah. that n- doesn't happen as easily on the Steelers because the evidence is all right there. Th- Heinz Ward was the one exception, maybe, where people are like, no, he's the great. And he clearly couldn't do it anymore. Uh, that's To me, that's what separates Penguins fans is their white, hot, intense loyalty to their guy. Yeah, at, at the expense of cannibalizing their own team. Yeah, do you think blaming somebody Mark Andre Fleury blaming somebody else to protect their guy? Yeah, yeah. Latang had a bad year. There's no, there's no way around that. Super uneven. I'm not saying he's a terrible player. I'm not saying he doesn't have skill. 
saying he had a bad year. Mm-hmm. And and that that last play was just so appropriate for what went on this year. It was emblematic of yeah. The Penguins. If you miss the whole, yeah. if you miss the whole season and the whole playoffs up until the time he got the puck at the top of the circle in his own end, and you saw a little fifteen second snippet of that goal being scored. Oh, okay, that's the kind of year the thing had. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> Caps and uh, Lightning in DC tonight. Uh, Capitals leading that series two games to none. How will they react after winning two on the road? I think they're going to react well. I think Tampa's in trouble. Yeah, me too. Fallout from the Supreme Court's decision to uh, declare the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act unconstitutional includes this statement from the NFL, quote, the NFL's longstanding and unwavering commitment to protecting the integrity of our game remains absolute. Congress has long recognized the potential harms posed by sports betting to the integrity of sports contests and the public confidence in these events. Given that history, we intend to call on Congress again, this time to enact a core regulatory framework for legalized sports betting. We also will work closely with our clubs to ensure that any state efforts that move forward in the meantime protect our fans and the integrity of our game. There is uh, all kind of reaction pouring in from all over the place. It's not exactly uh, Roe v. Wade, but that's a pretty big one. Repealing the uh, Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. A lot has to happen. Huge. I mean, legislation has to be drafted in individual states. This it is not does. a federal law. Like, anybody can do it now. I mean, now states have the ability yeah, to do you're it. You're allowed to do it. It's, it's not legalizing it. It's it's saying it's no longer illegal. Right. So Some states are further along than others. According to ESPN, we live <laughs> in one of those. Yeah. Uh, Connecticut, Delaware, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia join New Jersey, according to ESPN. It's the states furthest along in the process of passing laws to regulate Sports betting. New Jersey is the state that took it to the Supreme Court. Doug Zarian from ESPN. The uh, he's an ESPN anchor who is the host of the Behind the Bets podcast is going to join us at eight fifteen to talk about this. It's pretty interesting. Let's hear some Jersey jokes now, huh? I'll, I got a lot. <laughs> Carrying the ball for justice. I don't know. This gets rid of the dices of the world, though. You know? Yeah. No more bookies. Eventually, probably not. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a long time. I can't get my legs broken anymore? I mean, poor Dicey passed away a number of years ago. How old was he and what was the (laughs) over-under? He had a bet on his death, I'm sure. There's no doubt about it. Here's some classic Dicey talking about Bill Belichick and his girlfriend. Here's what I'm hoping is going to happen in this game. I hope that... Sam Belichick will screw his brains out Saturday night with his new girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen her on TV, I have. but what a fuck she is. <laughs> I, I just say I hope she screws him so hard that he's cross-eyed and he can't even read the f- playbook on Sunday. <laughs> he's such a douchebag. I don't know how he bagged her. I was telling your father, he probably wraps $500 bills around his thing. That's the only way he gets her. That's my dad's oh, bookie, Dicey. The greatest. Uh, R.I.P. Dicey. I miss him. Oh, God. So funny. We were listening to that yesterday <laughs> off air after the show and just cracking up. Oh, some of the Diceyism. Oh, my God. Some of the things he was saying didn't even make sense. He, like, mixes metaphors. Yeah. And I don't know. He was oh, so. He was, great. he was the most oh. foul mouthed person I ever knew. Really? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I knew him since I was a, that's saying know, something. A kid, he'd be around family picnics and oh, stuff, okay. and dropping CS or while you know. Am I on the short list or? Oh well, yeah, but I've known you in the context of being an adult, so okay. it seems less egregious. You're up there. Don't hey, don't worry. Hey, you know, you uh third line at least. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> there's no doubt. Maybe not top six, but you know, you're in there. Uh Val's, Ham and Egger. Val's got news coming up top of the hour. Well, have scientists finally discovered a real hangover cure? FBI agent Jerry Clark. From uh, the documentary Evil Genius, the pizza bomber case in Erie, he was the investigator. He's featured prominently in the uh, blockbuster new documentary on Netflix. He'll be on 745. Doug Kazarian, aforementioned uh, ESPN host and Behind the Bets podcast uh, uh, co-host. He'll be on at 815. Billy Gardell joins us once again, 9 a.m. here on the DVE. It is the DVE Morning Show. The DVE Comedy Fest Loaded Show. This is the second show we're announcing for the Comedy Fest weekend of June 29th. It's hosted by Sean Collier, the Loaded Show part. It's at the Arcade Comedy Theater, and I believe there's only like a handful of tickets yeah. left. So hurry up and get on these. This is a nice special for the uh, for the early risers. And it's a really, really cool venue. If you've never been there, it's brand. It's a brand new theater. I just performed there uh, a month ago. Unbelievable space, but yeah, there's only 100 seats. It's very intimate. Mm -hmm. So get your tickets at dve.com, and as uh, always, the headliners uh, are offered an opportunity to go over and perform on the second stage, and some of them, because they don't get to perform a long set on the Biome Theater stage, they're feeling like they want to do a little bit more, so sometimes you get uh, more bang for your buck. dve.com. Oh, there's only 15 tickets left? Oh, well, I don't even know why. All right. Um, So those will be gone. If you can hurry up and uh, be one of the uh, first of those 15, you won't regret it. That's the 1130 show at the Arcade Comedy Theater after the Bime Theater. Okay. The weather has been a little weird, to put it mildly. That Real sucks. weird. Yesterday, we had, there was hail. And they always say hail is the size of something else. <laughs> hail is never, nothing else is ever hail-sized. You never pick up a lime or a lemon and go... This is hail size. Look at this. <laughs> you don't pick up a golf ball and think, mm, look at this. This is a hail size golf ball. Hail. That was a hailstone. Right. But the other thing is, um, is it because hail is so wildly inconsistent I in its size? I think so, yeah. I guess that's it. You have to always, but we never give it, there's no measurement. You know, there's no like, you know, it's a it's a three rock hail or something. I don't know. Some unit of measure. <laughs> To denote how big it is, we always just compare it to something else, which is easy, I guess. But it's also in- indicative of why we'll never take on the metric system. I mean, we'll never. <laughs> We're happy. We'll, we just compare stuff to produce. We don't care. <laughs> it's kiwi-sized hail out there. Yeah. So be careful because we're in the middle of some of the crappiest storm seasons uh, and uh, as we head into May, and we thought we were going to get the April showers leading to May flowers, it looks like we're just going to get May showers. Yeah. Nonstop. And it looks that's nice why out there right now. It's more important ever, than ever than to rely on technology for your forecasts. When bad weather hits, you want a forecast you can count on. Here at Channel 9 News, we've got the most up-to-date, state-of-the-art, weather forecasting computer in all of western Pennsylvania. The biggest and most accurate 
The Channel 9 Stormfinder 9000. Stormfinder 9000. Only one problem. We broke it. That's right. We broke it. I didn't break it. I might have broken it. I spilled something on it last week. It's probably the cumulative effect of many different people who don't know what they're doing monkeying around with the Stormfinder 9000. Stormfinder. 9,000. We probably should have played that fancy Stormfinder sound effect earlier. Before we told everyone it was broken. Stormfinder 9,000. We should definitely not play that anymore. Because the Stormfinder 9,000 is broken. And we need someone to fix it. It makes a clicking sound. Like it wants to work. But it just can't seem to get going. We found one guy who said he could fix it. But you wouldn't believe the price he quoted us. And around here these days at Channel 9, we're a little tight on cash. Because we spent so much money on the Stormfinder 9000. And the big voice guy. Stormfinder 9000. So if you're someone who's good with computer forecasting models, you can count on Channel 9 for some side business. We're looking for someone willing to work under the table. Perhaps on the weekend. Without your boss. Ever. Finding out. Tune in to Channel 9 for breaking news. The latest sports updates. But as far as the weather goes. If there's a big storm. We're hoping you guys will call us. Especially if we should take cover. Channel 9 News. The most trusted name in news and sports. But somebody broke the storm finder. And blowing on it like a Nintendo cartridge. Didn't work. I just thought of something that we should unplug it and plug it back in again i've already tried that at channel 9 news we're fresh out of ideas on how to fix the Stormfinder 9000 storm 9000 Center 11. It's 60 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. An asteroid the size of the Statue of Liberty is set to fly past Earth this evening. Asteroid 2010 WC9 is expected to pass Earth at about half the distance to the moon. It's estimated to stretch 170 to 400 feet across. Astronomers say few objects of that size are seen passing so close to the Earth, but it doesn't present any risk to our planet. Meghan Markle's father tells TMZ he will not be walking his daughter down the aisle on Saturday for the royal wedding. This next royal wedding, Thomas Markle reportedly decided not to attend the royal wedding after it was discovered. He worked with a photo agency to stage pictures of him preparing for the big day. Uh, he oh, said, she was trying to cash in. Yeah, he said he doesn't want to embarrass the royal family or his daughter any further. And apparently he's feeling so bad that the 73-year-old suffered a heart attack last week. Oh. He tells the gossip blog, I've been popping Valium for the pain, which doesn't seem like a great idea? medicine that you would choose. Valium does not, uh, it's not a painkiller. <laughs> Uh, his ex-wife, Doria Raglan, is the top choice now to walk Megan down the aisle. Well, if he does show up, he should definitely not be popping Valium because, you know, it, that, that wedding's already going to take forever. It'll it, be four hours before she gets to the end of the aisle. She is a uh, mixed race. Yes. Is her dad black or mom black? Uh, her mother. Okay. So her mom's going to walk her down mm -hmm. the aisle? Um, that Maybe. Actually makes me glad. How about the jerk? dad trying to cash in on some pictures like yeah dude your daughter's marrying you know 
Well, the other... Royalty, you're going to have cash. Like a half-sister I saw on one of the tabloid shows last week. She's like, my dad has no money. He can't afford to fly to London. His car doesn't run. See that? I mean, what's I, what's the big what's the big deal with him making a little money on a photo shoot? Yeah, I honestly, don't know. like they cash in so much about publicizing this wedding. It's on all the networks. They have anchors that are announcing this wedding. So you go to your daughter and you say, "Honey, they're approaching me with more money than I've ever seen just to take some pictures. Uh, what should I do? Is there any way?" You can float me. That, yeah, the, I can make uh, you know get paid to not take these pictures or receive some sort of fee, so I don't have to do this. Because how do I not cash in on this? I'm wondering if she doesn't have a great relationship with her dad. I'm thinking that. I think that's it. Yeah, she uh, was married before, right? Yes. See, I think the whole royal family is super stupid. So it it it's pleasing that Harry, who's Seemingly the coolest of all. Yeah, of them. I like this kid. Like went out and like got this chick who's like you know, ha, you know, been around has the, some skeletons. around the block a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Has a little baggage dangling off, and they're like they always pretend that they're, it's just such a pristine thing. Like, guess who's in your bloodlines now? Deadbeat dad, <laughs> the guy who wanted to get paid by the Tucson uh, Observer. <laughs> <laughs> For, for a few pictures, <laughs> that's he's royalty. Because who really cares about any of that stuff? Oh, some people they are do. very, very into this. An inordinate amount of Americans yes. are into this. Like there are watch parties apparently. Yeah, because it's the last uh, real life fairy tale scenario. Princess. When is this? When I think is... it's Saturday. Sa- okay. Yeah, because it's an Amer- and this is an American princess, right? She gets like, to marry uh, into the royal family. Oh, it makes Who's uh, Grace Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, if if Grace were half black and had a divorce under her wings. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think that that isn't ch- chapping the, the queen. Probably. She's like, oh, are you kidding me? I think everything probably chaps her at this point. <laughs> She's <laughs> pretty Very sensitive of, skin. A lot of chapping. Uh, animal control workers say seven baby ducks were saved from a Lawrenceville sewer grate on Monday. Officials say workers at Edward Mark Brands found the ducklings outside their building and used a forklift from the warehouse to lift the grate to rescue them. All seven ducklings were reunited with mom and a duck call app used by hunters is being credited in helping rescue baby ducklings in New York. Suffolk County police were called to an auto parts store Sunday for a report that the ducklings had fallen into a storm drain. Their mother was pacing on the street above. Police took off the grate. They rescued a few of them, but the other was uh, others ran away because they were scared. So one of the officers downloaded a duck calling app to his cell phone, and it worked. The remaining ducks moved in closer, and they were able to be pulled to safety. Oh God, that mother duck! Like a duck is so ill-equipped. To do anything outside of nudging. Yeah. I can nudge you. If you fall, I got nothing. You're on your I own. I can't Unless help you. some kind stranger comes along. I can pace nervously. <laughs> Just no arms, no nothing. <laughs> no, no teeth. No teeth. I can't even pick you up. I got this slippery beak. My cousin had ducks when he was a kid. And uh, as he, pets, yes, yeah, pets, and he would walk them 
down like it would be like walking him down Green Tree Road. Yeah. He and he would they would follow him and he would take them to the pond. Aww. And they would he'd he, I'm not even kidding. What? He'd walk down. They're like, oh, there's Dennis with his ducks. And, <laughs> and that's how I got Cousin Dennis. There's my Dennis, cousin Dennis with his ducks. And Dennis would walk the, the ducks down the street. Oh, I would and, love into to a see pond. that. Uh, he, he, he had all kinds of stuff going on like that. He's got, got like a huge farm now. And, but he was the kind of kid who had like, you know, mini bikes for sale that he'd rebuilt and stuff like that. He had his own ducks, you know. He's like refurbishing guns when he was a kid. He, talking he had to him, the Falcon would just trains. land on his arm. Yeah, no, it, dude, that kind of stuff would happen all the time. He'd be get, he'd be the kind of guy who had a wolf, you know, <laughs> wolf. A robin built a nest literally right outside our back door, and she's been on that nest for the last three days. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm worried the dogs are going to get the babies. What? What kind of dogs? Well, you- well I mean, you know, they're prey. Your dogs aren't going to eat baby birds. I, I don't think they will, but they chased a uh, possum and they chased the rabbits and baby birds. Yeah, they're birds trying to keep them away. away from the baby birds. <laughs> how, how low is the uh, the nest? I mean, I could probably reach it with my hand. But... Can you reach it and put their Kong up there? Or... <laughs> Last <laughs> put, night, put some peanut, peanut butter, butter on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, I was researching. How long does a mother robin sit on the nest? How long are the ducks in the nests or the um, yeah. the babies in the nest? So I'm watching these videos of baby robins and it's just chirp, 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 chirp. Tim's like, what are you doing? How loud is the chirping right now? Oh, the baby, me? they haven't hatched yet. Oh, okay. She's sitting on the uh, the eggs. So how many weeks will they be in there? Uh, up to two weeks they incubate and up to two weeks for the duck or for the birds to get out of the nest. Ugh. And then it's right. I mean, it's as soon as you open the door, the bird flies away and leaves the babies. Yeah. Well, what kind of bird well, <laughs> makes a nest right where she's like I terrified? Know. Of stuff? I'm like, you dummy, you chose a bad place. And if the first one blew away, this and a- within a day, it was built again. Val, just just smash those eggs now. The, oh, those kids, they don't have a chance. What's the matter with you? They don't have a chance. No. They're, Add I'm those gonna to your farty them. eggs I mean, that you eat in the morning. Farty <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robin's eggs. No, I just want to tell everybody that every morning Bill and I come in here, Val has already eaten a, a container of, they're, are they like? Egg beaters. Egg beaters. Mm-hmm. They smell <laughs> like Val's been eating robin eggs and just farting up the room. It smells like somebody farted in a hot car and got out immediately and just left it in Crop there. Dust. It's so every just that first waft that hits you when you come in here, you're like, oh, oh. I, I have some. Um, the, I remember the first time I'm like, Val, Jesus. I have and some then, mistletoe air freshener. Dude, you better be spraying that a lot more. Spray that around the robin's nest. Maybe that thing will take off. Seriously, no, they have I an angst ridden mom that, who doesn't know how to provide for them. Well, or at least, they, can you move the nest, or will she just kill no, them? No, I don't think you can do that. I'm, I'm their Why? caretaker Why? What's she going to do? I'm watching out for do them. Do you have another entrance to the house? The front door, but it comes up in the grass. There's no sidewalk. Well, maybe you can go to the other entrance until the... Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to do that eventually. Imagine Whether if Tim you, likes it or not. You spend a month <laughs> entering your house differently, nurturing these little baby, baby birds, birds, and they their first day out, your dog runs over. (laughs) Oh, that, or I'm afraid they're, because you know they can't control themselves when they leave the nest. They're going to fly right into the glass door. Oh, yeah. And die. Made it, Ma. Top of the world. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Oh, that's adorable to see nature like that. 
I'll give you the updates. Yeah, you should start a blog like the Hayes Eagle blog. We should oh have. My God, the, let's do the. Let's get a live yeah. cam yeah, on Val's Robin Robin's eggs, and maybe tourists can come to your house like they do to go over to Hayes and hang out there and stare at the stare eagles. Stare at the stare at the robins nest. Yeah, people can come hang out at Val's house. You can. Make, this is the first step towards getting what you really want, which is a nature preserve. Sure. Yep. And you soon after we'll get you a tiger. More. <laughs> I read this this morning. There are more tigers in backyards of Americans than there are in the wild. How is that? You that mean like is... kept in those reserves, like the somebody private exotic a... pets yeah. thing, not just like in somebody's backyard? Yeah, that's what I meant. Like people keeping them <laughs> private as pets. owners. Yeah, they're eating all my hostas. <laughs> How do How we get that... rid of the Mount Lebanon deer population? One word: Montecor. Tiger population. <laughs> How is that possible? Then we're going to get rid of the kid population. Or allowed. I have no idea how it's allowed. I don't know that it is. It's super cheap, too. Like, I remember researching it when that whole Zanesville thing happened. Mm-hmm. You could buy a tiger on the black market for like 500 bucks, which Would doesn't want- seem right. That's got to just kill the property values in the neighborhood. Did you guys see? Oh, the, all the neighbors hated I this mean, guy. How would you, who would want to live next to that? Did you see hoarding the, jungle cats. The story of the prom in Florida yeah. last weekend. A Florida high school, Miami's Christopher Columbus High School, their prom theme was Welcome to the Jungle. So somebody's like, I got an idea. Let's get a real tiger and put it in the gymnasium for the dance. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Well, it was actually in a hotel near the airport by Miami International Airport. They had several animals. They had a caged tiger, a Good lemur, Lord. two macaws, and an African fennec fox, whatever that is. Um, That's one thing I learned on planet Earth, like watching. It doesn't matter what region of the world they're, they're showcasing. There's always a fox. There's always <laughs> a fox. It could be in the Arctic. There's an Arctic fox. It could be in the rainforest. There's a rainforest fox. Like They're just the shadiest crackheads of the animal kingdom <laughs> and they will eat those eggs if there's a if oh, you see a I fox know. in your backyard say goodbye to that oh, robin's and egg. then i read if the biggest like if the one that hatches first is way bigger than the smallest one it'll eat the smallest one badass survival of the fittest that's badass there's no which has got to be tough to choke down yeah Oof. you can call that one uh Donald Jr. Because I feel like if he had the chance, he would have snuffed out Eric a long time ago. <laughs> if that was if that was okay in the human world. But back to that tiger in the at the prom. I cannot believe they allowed, with all of the concerns people have these days yeah, about rules. high school student safety. Maybe they just figured everyone had a gun in Florida, and they're yeah. like, "Well, I mean, think it's loose. It's you can't you apply in your own sunscreen." In some schools. <laughs> but let's get a tiger in here. Right. You, you can't know, bring almonds to school. My sister, uh, my my uh, oldest niece went to the prom this weekend. And oh, she, nice. my sister said, oh, dude, it's totally different. And I'm like, what do you mean? Was she, there a promposal? No, she she and a bunch of her friends went by themselves. Oh. They were like, beautiful. God, like, yeah, we're, we don't want dates. Little... Fingers crossed. Yeah. Hoping for that. Which is, I'm like, how didn't she want a date? My sister's like, she just didn't really 
give a crap to do that. They were kind of like, now nah, let's let's go as groups. Yeah, if and you then, don't uh, have a boyfriend, it's uncomfortable. So yes. right, because the expectation is <laughs> yes, because you feel like there's a contract that's being signed when you say yes to go to the prom. What are you laughing at? The episode of It's Always Sunny with the boat, and they're like, you know, because of the implication, like if you go out on a boat, and then the, never mind. And I, <laughs> <laughs> like, why well, you say hey? You know what uh, the best thing about being out on a boat is? <laughs> oh, gee, oh, you're using the dicey line. Um, yeah, that one's not for for broadcasting. Can't say that at but all. But at any rate, she said that it's like completely different, and they like they shuttle you from the prom to the after, after party. Prom. Now there's like pictures are set up. Like when we went to the prom, it was uh, you know there's uh, you know me and another buddy picked our this is our car. Mm-hmm. All right. We're taking the pictures at the parents' house. We're making nice, doing yeah. the old, oh, yes, Mrs. So-and-so. Oh, sure thing. Oh, you can count on us and blah, blah, blah. I brought the corsage and everything. Right. And Did you, you go a, in a limo? No, I think we went in oh, my yeah. buddy's dad's car. That wasn't happening yet. We got a yet. limo. No, I didn't have a limo. Oh, we, yeah. we had a beer ball. <laughs> I remember that. Party ball? Party ball, dude. It was like a Coors Light beer ball. Hell, yeah. Uh, I wish That's the that, way to start the party. I wish going stag was in when I was in school. I told because I went with two guys that I Whoa. wasn't date. I mean, I went not to, my, to one prom. No, 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 was, no yeah. This is I was gonna say well, I, I hired a, two guys in a yeah. truck. It was a French they, theme. They moved yeah, all our right. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Guess moved me to the prom. The guy I went to my senior prom with, I had to ask him first because nobody asked me. Oh Val, that's why I wish it had been around. I would have gone by myself. And so then we go to the after prom, and he worked at a grocery store. He said, you know what? I forgot I have to work the overnight at the grocery store. So he left, and the next day I saw a friend of mine. She said, what What happened there? I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, he's got hickeys all over him. I said, what? Dude. He, he, he left and went to a party and like <laughs> hooked up with some girl. Oh, my God. Like, oh, no, we were playing ping pong all through the night. <laughs> He's not very good. He's not very good. And I'm really good. Val, you're like the first part of a John Hughes movie. <laughs> Before the redemption happens. Uh, I feel like there should I be a psychedelic first song you're, playing under all the, of your high school you're stories. You're the girl who the guy realizes he should be with at the end of the movie, but totally <laughs> all, dishes you in the beginning. I'm Molly Ringwald. Yeah. <laughs> at the end, Jake saves the day. And you married Jake, oh, 12 my. years younger. Ha ha, who's laughing now? Well, luckily I could laugh about it. Whatever, bag boy. Have a good third <laughs> shift. Would you rather? Val's got a nature preserve now. That's Would you right. rather have peaked in high Jealous? school? No. I mean, that's that's a sad. Yeah. That's a sad life. No. Oh yeah. Things I mean, turned out just the way they should have. They always do. I do think it's funny the way you laugh about that stuff. Oh my god! You, you, you get a big a kick dork. out of it. Oh, the pictures. Oh my god! I have this one picture from it's like third grade. I think <laughs> I think my mom put my hair in curlers and forgot to comb it out. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like every time Val talks, we should just put this song underneath it when she's talking about her high school exploits and picture her with the tightest afro you've ever seen. Oh my. Ah, the 80s. Did you have braces? Yes, in high school, yeah. Of course you did. <laughs> Val, what happened to Charlie? Braces? What do you mean? He had to work at the, the sack and save overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
glasses? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. The biggest glasses. Oh my god. <laughs> the biggest glasses that went like down below oh. down below my nostrils. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> giant. And they had the little dip on the side. Oh no! <laughs> Why those? And the lenses that tinted when he went out. <laughs> oh, God. I got to dig up some pictures. Oh, boy. No. Dude, I got to track down this guy that ditched you at the prom. I need to know yeah. what is going on with him. We are Facebook stalking him at the commercial break. Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, that was funny. All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. <laughs> Mike Masuda with your sports. And also, at 745, we'll talk to the FBI agent who was in charge of investigating the pizza bomber incident from the documentary Evil Genius, which is uh, sweeping the nation's... Uh, 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 what, what's the word you use there? What? Interest? Interest, sure. Everybody's like Peaking. talking about this, yeah. The Pizza Bomber case. Evil Genius on Netflix. The Duplass Brothers produced So this. good. It is crazy. And I have to ask him about revelations made in the documentary that you didn't find out about after the case was closed. Right. It takes a pretty big turn. We'll see what Jerry Clark thinks about that. And uh, he, he, was, uh, he was great in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, also, Doug Kazarian from ESPN will be joining us to talk about the potential for legalized sports gambling now in Pennsylvania. Mike's got Sportsnet. DVE Sports. I found the I found the dude that spurred Val. <laughs> I stalked no, him out, Bill. You found him? Yeah. And what's he up to? He doesn't live here anymore. Nope. He's in another uh, he's in another state. He has a family. Appears to have graduated from working bagging groceries overnight. <laughs> Which, which, by the way, how many ba- bags no, of groceries? No, he was stocking shelves. Oh, stocking shelves, yeah. okay. We're keeping all this uh, just between us? Yeah, we can't get this. <laughs> yeah, we'll get sued otherwise. Will but we? uh Yeah, I, I'm just keeping an eye on him, Val. If we ever okay. get an opportunity to come back, if he's ever back in the region. They're going to get sued. That's... Look him up. We'll figure out a way Invite to. Him on, on the, the interweb? Egg his car or something? Balloon, yeah, do something. Phil, do the old water balloon, mustard water balloons. <laughs> Throw glitter in his pool. <laughs> That'll teach you. <laughs> Mike, pursue it with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. And, hey, we're currently watching the USA get trounced by Finland. I wouldn't say trounced. Uh, it's, uh, nothing. it's a bit of an uphill battle here. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. The sports is Hour brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. The Pirates are back in action tonight against the White Sox. 7.05, the time of your first pitch. Ronaldo Lopez, 0-2, 3.44 ERA for the visitors. Trevor Williams gets the ball for the Pirates. He's 4-2. Three point one three. The Bucks had their five-game winning streak snapped on Sunday as the Giants averted a sweep. But the Pirates are still eleven and six in their last seventeen games. That's got them at twenty-three and seventeen on the season, which is better than last year's seventeen and twenty-three mark through forty games. Pirates are game. Off the pace being set by Milwaukee in the NL Central Division. The Bucks and Cardinals both a game behind the Brewers. The White Sox check in with a Major League worst record of 10-27. and 27. Some uh, rehab news last night. Josh Harrison started a rehab assignment at AA Altoona. He went 0-3 with a walk 
in the Curves 7-3 loss to the Richmond Flying Squirrels. I can't decide if that's a great name or a really stupid name. Depends if you won or lost. Have you ever seen a flying squirrel, Mike? I don't know that I have. Are they? It's pretty majestic. Dangerous? No. No, it's just impressive. That it can fly? Yeah. They basically just jump out of some out of a tree and hang glide. You think using they sing their excess skin? Fly squirrels fly like the Philly fans sing fly eagles fly. I don't think it really has wings. Fly, so. squirrels, fly. I'm more worried it's a about song. to victory. Uh, oh, God, he crashed. He's just, dead. Just to drag the kingdom had a bad outing against these guys. Five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk and four Ks. It's got to be a little bit of a come down for him. Yeah, there might be some of that too, yeah. Part of that's being a pro. You go pitch what I tell you to pitch, but you have two good games in the bigs, and then you're playing the flying squirrels. Maybe not. What you were after. 3 1. Uh, Vegas beats Winnipeg last night, evening the Western Conference final at one game apiece tonight. It's the Capitals and the Lightning in D.C., Washington leading that series two games tonight. On the aforementioned uh, World Hockey Championships, they are approaching the end of the second period. 3 nothing Finland over Team USA. Team USA trying to at least get a tie in this game and clinch the Group B championship that would provide a more favorable matchup going into the quarterfinal round which is coming up starting on Thursday and uh how about that supreme court crazy we're going to talk with Doug Zarian from ESPN about this at 8:15 but uh a big change in the landscape here for sports betters it is not uh Roe v Wade it's not Brown versus the Board of Education but uh, the supreme court has issued a ruling uh in conjunction with the of case being pursued by the New Jersey State Gambling Association, uh, the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992 has now been deemed unconstitutional. That means that states are free to organize and run gambling houses uh, huh. as they see fit. According to ESPN.com, Connecticut, Delaware, Mississippi, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania are hot on the heels of New Jersey among states being the furthest along in the process of passing laws to regulate sports betting. And uh, there's been all kind of reaction uh, coming in. The uh, NFL wants to see it uh, federally regulated as opposed to state by state. Could this be our next civil war? Maybe. States' rights versus uh, federal power on on the gambling. I'm going to take north plus the points. I like the over. (laughs) The NHL was among the leagues to uh, issue a statement yesterday. Quote, the Supreme Court's decision paves the way to an entirely different landscape, one in which we have not previously operated. We will renew our current practices and policies and decide whether adjustments are needed, and if so, what those adjustments will look like. It's important to emphasize that the Supreme Court's decision has no immediate impact on existing league rules relating to sports wagering, and particularly wagering involving NHL games. So, while changes may be considered in the future, today's decision does not directly impact the operation of the league or any of our clubs in the short term. So, if you want to bet the caps in the over tonight, nice little parlay, that's... uh, that's on you. That's Safe to say, uh, assume that if there's going to be gambling, the owners want to make sure that they're the ones who are making the money off of it. I would say that. Yes. Okay. That's just a, a nice, succinct way 
of of wrapping up what this whole plight will be about for them going forward. This, this reminds me, I wasn't around in uh, the 20s and 30s, but this strikes me as the new prohibition. Uh, what, gambling? Everybody bets. How can we oh, yeah. tax bets. this? How can yeah. we make money well, on this? it's the same with marijuana. People are doing it. Yep. You might as well regulate it. And make money and off make it. money off of it, which because you ain't going to stop it. Yeah, no, you're not. You're just not. I don't like that it is taking away the uh, the bookies of the world, though. I mean, look, those are some colorful characters, and it is uh, you know it takes away a whole lot of funny stories for a lot of people. We're heading down that road anyway, though, with the offshore stuff. It's it's not like the old days where you had yeah. a crumpled up piece of paper in your pocket and you ran to the payphone at Damon's after the Alabama game. For years on this show, um, we had my dad's bookie, Dicey. Give us the weekly picks. The best. And Dicey passed away uh, a few years ago. But he was on every week, and he was the most foul-mouthed guy in the world. And um, absolutely hilarious all the time. Here he was talking about when my dad gave him Viagra for some reason. I don't know. I was so that I have blisters on the palms of both of my hands. To the point I couldn't even get a Woody anymore. I don't even know. What, why would you? Why would you? I don't know why would you? <laughs> What? Your old man, he came to the rescue again with the Viagra, and now that stands up like a flagpole. Oh, good. I'm glad my dad gave you his government <laughs> Viagra. Again. Yeah, my dad used to get, uh, like, Viagra from the VA and, uh, like, give it to all his, you know, fr- I think he was paying off bets with <laughs> with Viagra. This is Dicey talking In about Cam Navy. Newton. Cam Newton, he's paying like a jerk. Yeah. And I think the league has finally caught up to his you know, mm-hmm. everything I read about him and they talk about him, you know, they keep talking about his good looks. What the f*** does good looks have to do about playing football? You need talent, not good looks. Dicey, he was one in a million. I love how he gets on a roll and you're just giving him the, uh-huh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't say. As if you're hanging on every word. Well, if, if you pay too much attention to it, you know, you, you run the risk of Great respect, though. He probably thought he had a captive audience. He did. He did. He always did. All right, you were going to play this back at laughs at his expense. One of the guys that probably investigated Dicey uh, from the uh, Erie uh, FBI, Jerry Clark, joining us when we come back here. <laughs> Jerry Clark, author of the book Pizza Bomber. He is featured prominently in the new documentary Evil Genius on Netflix, which is... Uh, uh, absolutely uh, uh, just blowing up right now. It's, you know, captivating the entire country. No pun intended. Every, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Jerry Clark, kind enough to make time for us. When we come back, we'll talk to FBI agent and author Jerry Clark here. On- it's the DVE morning show, Randy Bauman, along with Val Porter and Bill Crawford. The new documentary on Netflix, Evil Genius, is blowing up big time, and no, no pun intended, uh, as we said earlier, but the captivating the nation. Everyone's talking about the account of the pizza bomber incident that happened in Erie, Pennsylvania back in 2003. And joining us right now, uh, the FBI investigator on that case, who's featured prominently throughout the documentary, and he has authored a book on it, the uh, the definitive book on the pizza bomber case, Pizza Bomber, the untold story of America's most shocking bank robbery, author and FBI agent Jerry Clark joining us right now. Good morning, Jerry. How are you? Good morning, everyone. How are you? Great. Thanks for making time. I know you're super busy. So the first question I have for you about the documentary Evil Genius is, what is your review of it? Well, you know, it's certainly entertaining, and um, it it has a lot of really uh, neat visuals in it. So if you haven't seen a lot of the visuals or haven't been able to see a presentation that I'm able to do on it, um, it's it's pretty neat to see. i got to tell you that. But 
really when you try to take eight years of an investigation and and really compile that into four hours, you're going to you know lose out on a lot of the factual basis, quite honestly. Yeah, so the one thing I thought when I watched it was at the end it takes a big turn, and the documentarian who was uh, investigating this on his own time, of his own volition, was able to uncover information that we can't really verify, but it right. markedly changes the the narrative of what went down on that day so i'm um, re- referring specifically to the uh, jessica hoopsick confession saying brian wells the guy who was murdered on that day or was killed a- a- and complicit depending on what you think that her account of it was he had nothing to do with it now when you yeah. watch that do you think oh boy i wish i would have known that or do you think you can't just throw that out there yeah, uh, probably the second. <laughs> the second one. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine if you sat through trial and you watched the evidence presented and you basically heard information from other co-defendants and witnesses uh, for for that to be um, something that that's believable. But again, they want to throw that out. It's 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 um, drama. It's it, it's it's exciting, and and people want to you know make up their own mind, but. If, if factually you knew the case, uh, that might be difficult for you to understand. One of Brian Wells' co-workers is found dead of an overdose. After all of the investigation and everything, what is uh, the, the Bureau's determination as to his involvement, if any? Well, again, if you, if you go back to trial transcript, and really, when you think about this, the investigators have really no you know, push to have anybody in or out of a case. You just follow the evidence, and you follow where everything takes you. And co-defendants and co-conspirators who cooperated with us in the case indicated that Robert Panetti, the second pizza delivery driver, was at the tower site um, and was involved in the incident. So his role was to uh, Hmm. keep Mr. Wells involved in it and to pay him money for uh, his, his role in helping in the scheme. Wow, because that's not really yeah, that ever wasn't in the documentary. Uh, mentioned. No. no, they didn't. Again, it's, if you think about this, it took us a long time to put this together because you basically have three deaths in three weeks, and all in different sort of jurisdictions, but all in Erie, of course. But tying them all together into one big scheme was the difficult part. And really, mm-hmm. Jessica Hoopsick was the link between all those people and really tied the case together. So if you follow it factually, this case was done for one reason. Marjorie Deal Armstrong's father had a lot of money, and she wanted it, and the only way to get it was to have him killed. So she went to Ken Barnes and said, Ken, I'd like to have my father killed. He'd say, I'd love to do that. I need 250000 down. She says, well, where am I going to get 250000 Well, let's rob the bank. So the crux of this pizza bomber was to rob the bank to get the money to pay Ken Barnes to kill her father to get the inheritance. So it's just a, a crazy money scheme. Why, why couldn't, this is kind of a legal question, but why couldn't a co-conspirator be charged with murder? Or was that something else the documentary got wrong? Because they kept yeah. saying that she d- was, was saying that they were in on it and they had planned it together because she couldn't be charged for the murder of, of Brian Wells. And, and so she couldn't be given the death penalty because couldn't he be both? Couldn't he be a co-conspirator that wasn't in on it enough to know that he, because I, I can't make sense of why that bomb was real 
if right. he was in on it. Exactly. He did not know, unfortunately, and for Mr. Wells, I'll always remember, you know, that's a horrible way to die, certainly mm-hmm. on videotape in front of all of America to see. Uh, he did not know that that bomb was real. And they duped him. They basically said, wear this device. If you caught, you're a hostage. If you, you, you know, then you get off. If you get through it, you get done and we pay you the money. And he, he had no idea. So in, in the federal system, there's no homicide charge specifically, but the way we charged it with a bank robbery resulting in death from the use of a destructive device, it basically was the same thing. It was a life imprisonment charge, and it was uh, certainly the best charge that we had for the case. But it, it, that whole crux of them saying, hey, you know, he didn't think he was, or the people involved didn't think that they would get a death penalty, just really makes no sense because they're at least getting life for, for uh, in which Marjorie Deal Armstrong did. Do you believe that it was always their intent to kill him, to have him out somewhere on the scavenger hunt and have this device blow up and sort of get rid of a, a loose end? That's exactly right. He never was intended to live that day. And it was a big game, and, and really Rothstein with this maniacal twist of the scavenger hunt and, and making him go to stops. See, here's the other part they don't talk about. If, if you rob a bank and you take that money and go on different you know, scavenger stops, that's a very bad plan because you could be stopped anywhere along the way and have <laughs> the money with you. So their plan was to rob the bank, transfer the money outside of the bank to Bill Rothstein, and then let Brian Wells go on these series of stops, and wherever it detonated, it you know the timer goes off. He, you know, it it, it goes off, and he he dies. But as it turned out, nine one one and people were calling nine one one while Brian was in the bank even, and he couldn't make the transfer of the money, so the money never left his car, and so that's why it looked like a a, a bad plan. Mm. But the plan was. was was really foiled by by witnesses who were watching. You spent a lot of time with Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Did you believe anything she said? You know what's interesting about her? She she was extremely intelligent, extremely uh, you know intimidating. Everybody said. Oh, listen, she she was really fun to interview. Quite honestly, <laughs> I mean, you you once in a lifetime as a as an agent, I've interviewed thousands of you know, people over the years, but to interview her was so unique. And she knew when she was right, but she did not try to deny things that she knew you could prove. So, for example, I'd say, Marjorie, why were you at the Shell station? And she said, well, if you have me on video, I must have been there. But why I was there was unknown to me. I didn't know why I was there. Bill had me there. And why were you at the tower site? Well, I don't know. He drove me there, but I don't know why I was there. So nothing made sense, if you think of it. Mm-hmm. But to her, it, she knew not to, to try to um, show that it wasn't true. So she was really manipulative, very smart, and um, certainly cunning as all get out. But she definitely had that, you know, mental illness mm-hmm. that that drove her there's a scene where you talk about investigate or interviewing brian rothstein uh, for the first time and, yes and he says to you i just want to let you know yeah. i'm the smartest person in the room right and it's just you and he in the room <laughs> and I, when i heard you say that i thought and this is early in the documentary and i, I immediately thought oh this guy did it 
I mean, <laughs> like, why would you say that? Right. I mean, what went through your head when you when he said that? Were you basically like, uh, you know, metaphorically licking your chops? Like, <laughs> gotcha. Oh, I, was, I was literally pounding my chest. I, yeah. I when I walked out of the room, I was a hundred percent convinced. And that's where when people go, wow, they didn't know this, they didn't know that. Well, of course we knew. But there's, again, like Jason Wick said, the special agent from ATF, there's this thing called evidence, right? And there's this thing called beyond a reasonable doubt in court, and you have to prove that. And making those links were difficult. But we went through a series of hypothetical questions in that interview, me and Bill Rothstein and I, and I would ask him things, and he wouldn't answer unless it was hypothetical. So I'd say, Bill, why would Brian Wells not drive right to the police department? Say, I got a live device. Why does he go rob the bank? And he says, well, hypothetically, Jerry, if, if that were to be true, maybe they told him that the, the, the caller was booby-trapped, and if he went off course, he'd get a shock. And I thought, holy cow, that's pretty good. I don't you just make that up right there, you know, while we're yeah. sitting there. <laughs> so it, it was crazy, some of the hypotheticals that we went through. And when I walked out, like I said, I was like, this guy's in. There's yeah, no doubt. So then, you know, the blue van incident, uh, oh. you, you know, th- there's a couple of things where in the documentary, it looks like, how could you have let this guy get a- get away with as much as he did for as long as he did? And by get away with it, I mean, he had not yet been arrested. Well, what had happened was, and because there was three different jurisdictions, like I talked about, Pennsylvania State Police was involved Erie Police Department, and then the FBI and ATF, he was being looked at for the death of Roden, which is the body in his freezer. The first one. Exactly. So that didn't technically fall under my jurisdiction because of the fact I had not yet made the link to Wells and Roden and, and the two deaths. So theoretically, they're dealing with him, and they're using him as a witness against Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Now, eventually he gets charged, but he never goes to court because he dies before he goes to court, and he was being charged with an abuse of corpse because he took the body from one scene to another, and then they were going to obviously cut it up into pieces. And yeah, the meat grinder. They went shopping for a meat yeah. grinder, you know. Yes. Ah. Yeah, they shopped for a meat grinder, and they also bought, a, you know, I had receipts for the freezer that they bought. I had receipts for a meat grinder and an ice chipper. Uh, but the thing is, the ice chipper he bought was something you'd make margaritas with. You know, and he, I looked at it and I go, "You're smarter than me, and you're going to put a body through that." I mean, you're it was doing incredible. a toe at a time, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why do you think he called police about the body in the freezer? He t- oh, that's I mean- a great question, and I get that all the time. And really, what it was, he started to panic, and he didn't want to mm-hmm. cut the body up all of a sudden. And Marjorie Deal Armstrong was on him, on him, on him. And he thought that she was going to try to kill him. And he said to Stockton, the guy that was living in his house at the time, he said, listen, I'm going to meet Marjorie Deal Armstrong. If I'm not back in 15 minutes, she killed me. And it was basically his way of saying, I either turn this body in and take the gamble that they don't make the link between these cases, or she's going she's gonna to have me killed or kill me herself. Wow. So he he picked the second one, and and that is uh, turning turning her in. So uh, it seemed like the law enforcement agencies, as depicted in the documentary, had a right. tough time communicating with one another. I'm referring to snitch letters. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
is it true that that this was like a lot of stuff that would have been useful and was just buried or was protocol followed and it's just made to look as though there were some sort of kink in the operation and and again another great question the 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 interaction between the law enforcement agencies in Erie is really very very good and and I have a lot of friends in EPD and and PSP it it was the fact that they each had their own homicide they were dealing with and they were trying to keep things again singular close to the vest so that nobody knows would it have been helpful yes and we eventually got them and they were chock full of really good information so there was some delay i'm, I'm not going to say that there wasn't but at the same time i don't think anybody had any horrible intent it was just trying to keep you know the authenticity of their case uh, for their evidence that they needed if they were going to case or, or trial on, on their single case. But as it turned out, they were all related, so it was very important information. So not necessarily an evil genius, but uh, a, a, an evil uh, sociopath, basically. Exactly. I mean, she she just has death all around her. And if you, we have a second book, Mania and Marjorie Deal Armstrong, where we delve into her alone, and it's just, filled with all the deaths around her, which puts her in a unique serial killer category for yeah. a female. Uh, so she's one of a kind. There's no doubt. It's a great documentary and entertaining, but uh, take with a grain of salt and uh, understand it might not be exactly how everything happened. As Read the book instead. Yes, read uh, exactly. Jerry's book, Pizza Bomber, The Untold Story of America's Most Shocking Bank Robbery. Jerry Clark, uh, Agent Clark, thanks so much for your time this morning. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was great. Okay, Thank we'll you. see you. Appreciate it. Uh, very right. nice of uh, Agent Clark to join us this morning. I can and, talk uh, to him for hours. Yeah, I know. Right? That documentary is so fun to watch. I need to watch it again. Yeah, me too. It's a quick watch, so it'll be easy to do. Yeah. Oh, it's a four-part series. But it's like three hours total. Yeah. It's, oh, man. Maybe don't watch it right before bed. <laughs> or before ordering a pizza. Uh, when we come back, Val's got a quick news update for you, and then we're going to talk with Doug Kazarian, ESPN anchor from the Behind the Bets podcast, who's going to explain the ramifications of the Supreme Court decision to allow states to legalize sports betting. What does this mean uh, for sports franchises in the future? In your experience as a fan, this might be weird. It might be like walking into a casino now, going into sports arenas in the not so uh, distant future. All right, that's on the way. Billy Gardell, 9 a.m. More to come. TV. Robin built a nest literally right outside our back door, and she's been on that nest for the last three days. Oh, dude. I'm worried the dogs are going to get the babies. I mean, I could probably reach it with my hand. But... Can you reach it and put their Kong up there? Or... <laughs> <laughs> put, last night. Put some peanut, peanut butter, butter on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> not. You spend a month entering Nurturing. your house differently, nurturing these Little baby, baby birds, birds, and they their first day out, your dog runs over. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. I mean, it could happen like that. I hope it doesn't. I hope not, too. All right. We have like two minutes before our next guest, so give us a quick... <laughs> I can't... We had to go over with the FBI <laughs> guy. He was so good. I want to talk to him some more. Really? Can Let's we call him back? back? <laughs> Thanks again to Agent Clark for joining us to talk about the pizza bomber. The new documentary on uh, Netflix. According to Agent Clark, uh, you're not really getting the full picture there, but it is edited so that the narrative is more entertaining throughout the the uh, documentary. But uh, there are 
more than a few instances where you will be, according to Agent Clark, uh, Agent Clark, where you'll be scratching your head going, what the hell? Well, how come this, that, or the other thing? And he's saying, yeah, well, there are answers to those questions, but they leave them dangling to make it more entertaining. Well, one of the biggest omissions it's that still, he... That, that being said, though, I want to make sure uh, you understand, that does not detract at all no. from this documentary. It, yeah. Just oh, because it's amazing. The, the crime the itself is so nuts. And all the footage they have, all of the interview footage they have of yes. these guys giving confessions on tape. You'll have a million questions. Oh. Again, my favorite part of it, though, is everybody in Erie telling me how great it made Erie look. And I'm like, I watch it and I'm like, all they did was show crack houses and hoarders <laughs> living rooms and, and and an Eaton Park parking lot. I wanted like, to... the, Erie is gorgeous, but those aren't the gorgeous no. parts. I wanted to ask him if he oh. knew that Hooker had a baby with Brian Wells. The Hooker had a baby with Brian that's a country song. Definitely. That she, they don't, there's no DNA. We don't know. Well, she the documentary it. said he looks, the kid looks just like him. Well, he lost his hair it, and has Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. If it came out uh, uh, with the cord around its neck, like, oh, just like his dad. Oh. <laughs> Actually, the, the country song in this would be, I blew up my head after you blew up my heart. Oh, I like wow. that. There, there you, you go. Creative. It, there we go. I, I like your point, though, that if he's a conspirator up to, yeah, I'll be the guy that robs the bank with the fake bomb. And they're like, no, we're putting a real bomb on you. And they kill him. He he's never a, knew that it was him. real. Yeah, that's still murder. It's right. it's just a legal loophole, which he kind of well, again, maybe they illuminated for us. Maybe they couldn't with evidence prove it. Right. I'll tell you what I was real impressed with, how neat he kept his hooker notebook. Oh, yeah. His hooker notebook was like... Boy, that was meticulous, How wasn't it? How many hookers do you have? You have to keep them in a notebook. That guy had a notebook of hookers. He had a favorite hooker. That's how many hookers he had. Was that Jessica? Yeah. yeah. Jessica was his favorite hooker. There's got to be a movie out of this. I hope the people who made I, Tonya make a movie out of this. Oh. You are my favorite crack whore. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, if you get a prostitute in Erie, you have to have sex on top of a hoarder's... Garbage. Pile, yeah. <laughs> Just that's really a pile um, of old newspapers and milk crates. That really gets your oh. That's really gets you standing at full mass. I like your uh, assessment of it all, though. You're like, I just feel so bad for people on the fringes. The, well, to see how many there are. Oh, I can only get aroused when I know there's a deceased <laughs> cat in the room somewhere. <laughs> and feces. I need animal skeletons in the room when I do it. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> uh, well, everybody one? who's a subject of this this documentary or who's involved is down on their luck, uh, is a yes. hoarder, has been in jail. The one guy is like, Hooker. I'll tell you what, I like jail a lot better than not being in jail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get meals. I can't yeah. smoke as much crack. He goes, you know, there's, I'm pe- off the drugs. there's people to talk to. Sure, they're old weirdos, but you know. <laughs> At least there's someone to talk to. Everything well, came out all right for that guy. Joe, Cocaine we, Ken. Joe, do we have Doug Zarian? Uh, not yet? Oh, okay. The one thing that, that the documentary really left out was that that other pizza delivery guy that was found dead was at the tower site. Which Jerry just told us at no point in the documentary do they mention that and they leave you to wonder whether that guy had anything to do with it. The only thing they say is, wasn't he at the meeting the day before? 
No, they said that about Brian Wells, not about the oh, second I, I pizza thought delivery. The, I thought that guy was there, too. No. See, In I the thought planning that the, the second guy was was given drugs, and his role was to basically encourage him to keep him on task to do it, to go to, to deliver the pizza. Uh, that being know. said, all right, Joe, try the other guy. Um, that being said, the other thing that is embarrassing for, for me is that every time they show something from Erie, there's like... I don't know why there's so many misspellings in that town, but like pizzeria is spelled wrong. Where? Uh, in Erie. No, no, no. They Where is it spelled wrong? On the sign from oh. Mummy's. And then it's spelled. On the business sign. Yeah, on the sign. <laughs> there's a diner up there that they spelled diner wrong. Russ's Just Diner in Wesleyville. D-I-N-O-R? Yeah. <laughs> dine or what? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not dine. Not dine. Or hookers. To dine or not to dine. <laughs> yeah. But and mom, you know what else I noticed in the the rambling directions for yes. the the scavenger hunt course is spelled wrong. It's like C O U R S E. Yes, it's spelled C O A R S E. Is in like uh, like abrasive. Cor- yeah, yeah. I'm like, if these guys are like, why did they miss? Was it to throw off investigators? No, because they're know? geniuses. That's the other thing. So many things fly in the face of the idea that these guys are all like, there's two geniuses at work here. The fact that he told Agent Clark when he sits down, you know, I just want to let you know, I'm the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> How smart are you if you say that? I think that that was the thing that they were that that kept them running around for so long as they thought they were geniuses. They were dummies who thought about this for way too long. That's the uh, worst name for the documentary, though. So <laughs> Evil Geniuses on Netflix. Check it out. Joining us right now, Doug Kazarian from ESPN and host of Behind the Bets podcast. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us because I think that this decision yesterday is a little bit confusing for uh, sports fans and sports bettors. Now, what this has done, the Supreme Court ruling, has allowed states to pass legislation to enable sports gambling in their states, to legalize it so you don't have to use those offshore accounts anymore or the shady bookie at the the corner bar. Right. So basically, you know, I tweeted this and someone's like, no, no one thinks that. I'm like, you'd be surprised. So as soon as this happens, doesn't mean you can run down to your local casino and bet on last night's Warriors. Right. It doesn't work like that. So basically what happened is the reason Nevada was allowed to have all this betting on sports is that it was a federal ban that Nevada was grandfathered in. So the federal ban was deemed unconstitutional. The federal ban was lifted, and now every state can handle things like that state wants and pass state laws and have state legislation and be a state-by-state concept and law. Mm -hmm. Now, and some states are already along the process, like New Jersey. So a lot of states anticipated this, so they started their own process to get the ball rolling. Now, other states are not there, but some states are, like Jersey, are right around the corner and can they've been joking, can flip the switch and turn the lights on in a couple of weeks and be ready to rock. Right. And Pennsylvania is supposedly uh, on its way as well. They've been preparing. They're one of the states ESPN listed as being a little more ready to roll than others. Right. They're like kind of the next tier. So Pennsylvania, West Virginia, New York, Connecticut are right there too. So, um, you know, they fast-track legislation. And every state's different. Every state's going to have it structured differently. And they're going to have their own licenses and all that jazz. But the key here is, in Pennsylvania, you will be able to bet on your app and things along those lines. So not just at the casinos. I mean, it is 2018, so we have to have some technology here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, and they're going to be able to go 
and uh, place wagers and do all that. It's going to be very interesting how it all evolves. There's an X amount of um, licenses you can get that cost money, the fees and all that. And do you have just casinos do it? Is like Visa going to get involved? Is ESPN going to get involved? Like, right. It's going to be interesting to see how the industry evolves. But right now, the biggest win so far was sort of the stigma of what sports betting, how it was perceived and different than all the other vices we have in this world. And we were really the only country that wasn't you know, being treated like an adult in that regard. Like, you could do horse racing, you can have state lotteries, you can have alcohol, you can have a lot of stuff. But, like, for some reason, sports betting was banned until now. Doug, how does how do the leagues and the various uh, players associations factor into this? I've heard, I've seen a lot of statements about everybody's concerned about integrity and whatnot. Everybody's going to want to cut too, right? Yeah, that's all it is. That's the cash grab. <laughs> I mean, um, basically, the leagues have no leverage, right? So, all the sports betting industry needs is a TV and a box score, right? They don't need the permission of the NBA or NFL or NHL to grant them so they can have the sports betting world. Like, they don't need it. However, there is incentive for the sports betting world. Robert, they could, maybe they want to advertise commercials during the broadcast of those league games, right? The NFL games might say, no, you're not giving us a cut of the pie. Why should we let you have you know, our airtime? We'll find commercial space elsewhere, maybe even advertising on jerseys or in stadium on the Jumbotron. So there's a way to cooperate now. Right now, Nevada pays what's called a federal excise tax, which is 0.25 of a percent. And that's just sort of like a shipping and handling fee, if you will, a proprietary fee or whatever you want to call it. The integrity name is kind of insulting because it suggests (laughs) that, oh, it's all shady. You need more money to make sure we maintain the integrity. Well, this betting's been going on. I mean, American Gaming... Had, you know, in the hundreds of billions estimates. I've seen estimates as high as $400 billion illegally bet in the country, whether it be offshore or local bookies. Well, our country needs revenue. Let's keep that, you know, above board and all that stuff. But to suggest we need more integrity, no, this stuff's going on whether you like it or not. Again, Nevada goes 0.25 of a percent. So I imagine something like that will be restructured and some leagues will get a slice of the pie as it's a state-by-state level. And as they cut these side deals with the various leagues and, and uh, NBA Players Association, NHL, et cetera, NFL, it, the basic uh, root of it is still going to be, hey, I want to bet 22 to win 20 on the Stillers against Cleveland, right? The, the, the odds aren't going to change. The, the VIG's not going to change. Well, that's the question, right? Um, you know, I think it's a two-part thing. I think the federal authorities have to, like, find a way to get these bookies out of business, right? So if they ratchet up all their, um, you know, all their resources and go get them out, then they can do whatever juice they want. So right now, for those who are unfamiliar, you have to, you have to usually, it's like a, you have to risk 10% extra of your bet. So if you want to win 20, you have to risk 22, just like you outlined. Now, there's talk of maybe it's not 10%, maybe it's 15%, maybe 20%. Who knows what it's going to be? Um, Again, all this has to be decided very infant stages, but let me just put it this way. If they're not offering market prices like the 10%, they're trying to charge 15%, then what's going to stop someone from continuing to bet with their bookie? So, Well, theoretically the law, but that's not working so well now, is it? But the law's already been doing that, right? Yeah. So they have to remove that um, because 
they need again. I guess that's if, if the authorities ratchet up their um, resources to, um, you know, increase their increase the monitoring or whatever. So part of the ownership's pushback on this initially could that be construed to be an attempt to get their ducks in a row and gain some sort of control over the situation so that they can benefit themselves and set up you know an area at the arenas at the tables that'll be you know betting windows for you know the game you're at well i think that's down the road but i also think it's in 2018 betting online and betting with an app is really the future just like it is with right. all these industries right we need technology so i don't think we're gonna have like betting kiosks like we do but make no mistake in london at wembley stadium and we go over there Fans in the crowd can bet on their phone. They can bet walking to the game as well. Yeah. But they can bet at halftime on the second half of what's going to happen. Right now. Well, some of them have windows in the stadium. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I was at a Premier League game like four years ago in uh, Tottenham. They had the windows right there. It was like going to the track. Totally. And the Golden Knights right now in Vegas. Um you can bet, you know, they're betting. It's a crazy. I've done some stories on that. How it's just a betting craze right now. Fans are going to the games and, you know, the, the sports books are getting handle or total money bet like they've never seen. So you can, and then the WNBA is headed there and then the Raiders are relocating there. So it's already going to exist in Nevada. Like, it's not like they're going to take the NBA NFL numbers off the board in Nevada so people can go to Raider games. The question is, how do you monitor this? What limitations do you put on? All that stuff. Again, they need to figure this out and do all that. But make no mistake, this is going to be part of the experience at games. Fans are going to no longer have to kind of quiet their uh, fist pumping in a blowout game when the over-under is, is up. Like, it's now going to be a lot more visible and accepted. Again, this goes back to the taboo thing. It's going to be a lot more accepted. What about uh... – the Vegas is national, and, and you know the bookies have their ways of uh, evening things out. What kind of potential risk is there for a state, say in Pennsylvania? I don't know. I'm guessing ninety five percent of the people are going to bet on the Steelers. Well, it's all about managing risk. Like so, so this is considered really like stock prices. Like like Cantor Fitzgerald in New York has a tech, has a sports book operation in Nevada. Um, I when I worked there for seven years, I have friends and colleagues or whatever who talk about it like it's a commodity. They're like, "Oh, I, I bought some at three and a half, sold some at four and a half." They see it as a numbers game. Some of the titles of their it's not just sportsbook director; it's manager of risk, which is exposure and liability financially, right? So, in a state like Pennsylvania, when everyone's going to Steelers game and let's say everyone wants to bet on, like they may have to move the number a half point, a point, or the juice, or something like that to manage their risk. But keep in mind, this is just stock market. So in Nevada, think of like the New York Stock Exchange as like the MGM, and then another stock exchange is like uh, Westgate or Caesars, and just it's a different sort of... Now, when big games exist, or usually everyone is on the market price, whether it's three and a half, four and a half, whatever the point spread is, it's very hard to have six in one, one sports book, right? Because then they'd only get one-sided action. But this is certainly, you know, the put and the call of this has to maintain. But you're right. There will be definitely some some risk management. Oh, man. Hometown teams. And that that's definitely going to be 
like a variable to all this. So yeah. if you play in the Patriots, would you trade off with the New England casino? Like, hey, or you take our Steelers action and like you know, and even <laughs> it's a better number. Yeah, even it out a little. Or well, there's so what's what happened now with the offshore market and the different numbers in Vegas, there's professional bettors who treat this like Wall Street. Like, I know a professional better who used to work at the Merck in Chicago, and he literally treats this stuff like they're commodities. And he creates middles, and it's arbitraging. And even during Super Bowl week, where there's high volume on the proposition bet, there's people who go there and try to, like, middle Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger's passing yards. It's Those just, are fun bets, though. When you when you can get that gap, you know, that's that's fun to do. Right. Well, you see it as fun, but they, they see it as an option. Like, if you can get over 274.5 passing yards and under 285.5, they, they've assessed whether the middle of those 11-yard, that 11-yard yeah, window is... Yeah, jake it, man. You got to jake it. <laughs> All it is is arbitraging and derivative trading concepts we know from wall street That's i've heard that i've heard that a lot discussed at the local bars i hang out in <laughs> <laughs> they say it's they say it just that way yeah. <laughs> right, i think right. i'm gonna arbitrage this hey doug thanks for explaining this out to us it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays stuff. out particularly when players start having gambling habits well, I mean, that's going to be very interesting, right? So, like, what's to stop an NFL locker room from being able to fire on some NBA games? And if it's legal, right now it's not illegal with the league. Like, um, Ben Roethlisberger is allowed to be in Nevada and bet heavy on the NBA Finals. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Just like you can play heavy at the craps table. Um, now, you obviously can't bet on your own leagues and stuff, but that's a, that's a league rule, not a federal law. So does right? this mean so, Pete Rose gets in the Hall of Fame now? No, <laughs> right, right. I would say I would say being a major league baseball manager and betting on your own games is still still frowned upon, according to. Cooper. <laughs> hey, Doug, we got escape, but thanks so much for your time this yeah. morning. We appreciate Great it, stuff. Doug Zarian from ESPN, the Behind the Bets podcast. Make sure you check that out, and uh, he's the foremost authority on all of this. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. Quick break. We'll be back. Mike Pursuta, DVE. Difference. DVE Sports. Mike Prasuda with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is hour brought to you by Sports Clips, Bucks and White Sox tonight at PNC Park. Trevor Williams against Ronaldo Lopez. Pirates are 23-17. and 17. That includes a couple of wins over the White Sox in Chicago this year. Uh, that Those two games contributing to the White Sox 10-27 and 27 record uh, minor league developments last night Josh Harrison began a rehab assignment at double-a Altoona he went 0 for 3 with a walk and Nick Kingham took the loss for Altoona in its loss to the Richmond Flying Squirrels Kingham lasted five innings seven hits four runs all of them earned one walk and four strikeouts in the major leagues this year Nick King- Nick Kingham is 2-0 and with a 2.92 ERA and a 0.649 walks and hits to innings pitched in AAA, he's 2 and 1, 2.20. In AA, he's 0 and 1, 7.20. Keep figure, him out of AA. Figure that out. Keep him out of AA. If I was the flying squirrels, I'd be using that to sell tickets. <laughs> Steelers signed a couple of players uh, after last weekend's uh, rookie camp. A couple guys that were in on a tryout basis have uh, been signed. Wide receiver. Damon Patterson of Youngstown State and offensive lineman R.J. Prince of North Carolina added to the 90-man roster. In the Stanley Cup playoffs last night, Vegas evened things up with Winnipeg at a game apiece in the Western Conference Final with a 3-1 to victory. 
in Winnipeg. More fun with numbers for Mark Andre Fleury, who earns his 71st career win in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That ties Jacques Plante for ninth place on the NHL's all-time list. Fleury improves to 35 in 17 in his playoffs career following a loss, including 3-0 this year. And in the postseason this season, he's got an NHL best 1.68 goals against and an NHL best .945 save percentage. Flyer power. Flory also uh, assumed eighth place NHL history in career playoff minutes played. 7,658 in 28 seconds if you're scoring at home. Tonight it's the Lightning at the Capitals trailing that series two games to none. Team USA lost for the first time at the World Championships in Denmark today. It just ended minutes ago. Finland 6, Team USA 2, including an empty netter at the end. Patrick Kane and Derek Ryan getting the goals for Team USA. Kasperi Kapanen among the scorers for Finland. Anybody remember him? Yeah. Yes, I do. Look. It's a good trade. It's on to the quarterfinals now, and uh, with the loss today, Team USA will not win Group B, which means instead of getting Switzerland in the quarters, it uh, looks like it's going to be Russia or the Czechs. Yeah, you got to beat the good teams to win it all, right? That's what they say. On we That's go. Right. Patrick Kane uh, is on the team. We got a shot. Yeah, he delivered a couple of dirty uh, blows in the uh, Finland game there. Nice to see Bobieri doing the color commentary in the studio there yeah. for for these international games. Bibbs on the big stage. It'd be funny if he just kept calling her Staggy. You know what, Staggy? <laughs> I'm not Staggy. The gambling thing's fascinating. It is because I think it's first of all on the Pete Rose subject. It was still illegal yeah, was, at the time. No, but this is a thing that's going around the internet. Yeah, everybody is asking. It was still illegal Pete at the Rose time, and in? it's still actively worked to impugn the integrity yeah. of the sport. I mean, you can't bet on getting. Who knows if he bet against his team? I, I just don't think he would have because he's so psycho competitive. Oh my god! Yeah, he's so psycho competitive. He wants to win a bet. It's totally possible he bet against our team. Then, I know we're not good enough to beat these right, guys. Then if he did that. Why is he still hanging out in Vegas playing the meet and greet uh, card show uh, circuit? Why? Yeah. Wouldn't he have made enough money betting against his team knowing he was going to win to uh, set himself up? I'm not saying he did it every time. You know, I'm guessing you could go back and see if there were questionable moves made by him as a manager. I don't know. The other thing with that to me is he, he wouldn't be going to the Hall of Fame as a manager. We're not talking about John McGraw stuff here. He would be going to the Hall of Fame as a player. Yeah, but, you know, if you're the... He is the all-time hits leader. If you don't have the all-time hits leader in your Hall of Fame, then why do you have a Hall of Fame? I see that argument, and I also see the argument that if you celebrate people who... There's a lot of reprobates in there already. Oh, I know. Right. If well, you start in there, uh, right? uh, sitting up on moral high ground... Let's you... not check resumes. Let's check stats. Shoeless Joe... Should, should be there. Should people who fixed baseball games be celebrated? They didn't do it all the time. Doesn't matter. It's the one thing, the purity of the sport. If there's one thing you want a kid to understand. Nothing in this life is pure.
I know that. But keeping up the illusion seems to be a very important part of growing Let's get old. get over the illusion. Yeah, no, Let's you got to have it until you Let's get older and you get, you, know, you get burned. And then you're like, oh, things aren't actually how they're yeah. supposed to be. You, it, Maybe if people learn that earlier, they'll be better No, they'll be miserable the whole time. Run. No, the only shot we have at having nice people is making them think that the, the greater good is possible. Do you think this potentially opens the door to scandal? Huge. How can it not? More than it is now? Yes. Maybe in college. Because there's the, the illegality of the act itself now keeps people from even entertaining it. Once it becomes legal. You think? Yes. It's still legal to fix the game, whether it's legal to bet on it or not. That's to- still fraud. I totally understand that. But you can bet on yourself. Yeah. yeah I'm not feeling it today. Or maybe you have inside information. You know, I never do well against Duke. Let's just say. (laughs) I know what my stats are against this team. I I feel a two for 39 from the floor coming on tonight. Or you're you're the uh, special teams uh, backup on the Patriots or on the practice squad, and you know that Tom Brady and Gronk aren't going to play, despite the fact that Belichick's had a poker face all week, and maybe you tell a bunch of your buddies that. You don't think that's happening now? I think that they'll prob- nah. they're probably going to have something in the league rules where you can't bet on your sport. Yeah, that would, you know, would. I mean, that would make sense. Not to the- they are all about the integrity. <laughs> all these leagues. All I know they is even you have think a Jerry fee Jones. To let you know. that's, that's why they make so much money because they have such high integrity. You think Jerry Jones has a big stadium now? He's going to turn that thing into a huge casino. You'll be able to use that Jumbotron as a slot machine in the middle of games. Doesn't he already have, like, stripper platforms? Well, he uses them for cheerleaders, but still. Yeah. They're going to start taking off the the outfits. All right, quick break. We'll be right back. Billy Gardell in the 9 o'clock hour. Sorry. I was reading about B.B. Buell. You didn't just hear Joe say, stand by? I did, but for some reason I thought it was hitting a... a, a like a sounder before Something. we came on. Yeah, I was like expecting there to be a bumper. That was my fault. Uh, on the way for you, Billy Gardell is going to be joining us. I want to remind you, the DVE Comedy Fest loaded show. It's the second show of the DVE Comedy Festival. And now that this is basically sold out, there were 15 tickets left this morning. I'm going to just give you a tease. We're not done. There's going to be wow. more to there the DVE Comedy Fest. There's going to be a second day. That's right. I said day. Day. A second day and night. Wait until you hear what we've got cooked up for you for day two of the DVE Comedy Fest. You know, it was almost ironically called the DVE Comedy Fest for so long. Right, because it was only one show. Right. And uh, we're running with it now. Now we, yeah, then we, we made it two shows and now we're going full on a couple of days. So I'm just teasing it for you. If you didn't get tickets for the first show at the Byam Theater with Burt Kreischer, Brad Williams, Rory Scovel, Sarah Tiana, and Bill Crawford, or the second show, which there may be a couple of tickets left for, there were only 15 this morning, the loaded show at the Arcade Comedy Theater with Sean Collier, Jeff Conkle, Mr. Wednesday, John Dick Winters, Alex DePula, Ed Bailey, Ray Zawadney, Felicia Gillespie, Gabin Nesso, Osha Dwyer, Aaron Kleiber, Derek Knopfsteiner, and <laughs> Norlex Belma. Just stacked. If you didn't get tickets for that at DVE.com, we're going to be announcing more shows. And they're awesome. Very excited about the direction we're going with this. And details will be forthcoming. So keep your ears peeled for that. And, Bill, 
I mean, it's it's been a long time coming. We needed to uh, finally mm-hmm. expand. Yeah, expand. Breach that second day. And we're breaching it, baby. Oh, are we breaching? Oh, yeah. You're going to laugh your breeches off. <laughs> we had um, Chris Porter here this past weekend. One of our favorites. Yes. And he is, as always, you know, just just awesome. He uh, was on one of our favorite years. In 2013, Amy Schumer was your headliner, along with Matt Bronger, Chris Porter, and Eliza Schlesinger, Bill Crawford. Uh, but the year we had Tom Segura with his wife, Christina Pazitsky, and Michael Che from Saturday Night Live, and Jim Norton. Yeah, that was a, a great year. That was a great one, too. Here's Tom Segura from that. My dad does that, like, awkwardly racist small talk where you're just like, why are you talking? Like, we're at a restaurant, and the server comes up, and she's Asian, and he's like, you Chinese? <laughs> and she'll be like, no, I'm, I'm Korean. And he's like, oh, I was in Vietnam. <laughs> what the f*** was that? <laughs> he doesn't, he's like, what? Oh, my God, that's the problem. A lot fewer of them when I left, if you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah, great. No, that's great. Yeah, two Diet Cokes. Thanks a lot. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) DVE.com. If there are any tickets left for that loaded show, uh, get them there. And if not, stay tuned. More chances for you to hang out with us on June 29th downtown at the Byam Theater, the the Arcade Comedy Theater, and, uh, well, find out where we're going to be on day two. Coming up. Val's got news next. What do you got, Valerie? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about weddings and what people regret about them and um, a, a service that you will like, I think, Randy. Billy Gardell next on DB. I read this this morning. There are more tigers in backyards of Americans than there are in the wild. How is that? You that mean like kept in those reserves like the private exotic a, pets yeah. thing? Not just like in somebody's backyard. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like people keeping them private as pets. owners. Yeah, they're eating all my hostas. <laughs> How do How we get rid that? of the Mount Lebanon deer population? One word: Montecore. Tiger population. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Billy Gardell is joining us live from Los Angeles, hey, California, in sunny Burbank. Everybody. How are you, Good man? What's going on, Bill? Finally, uh, back among the living. Had to deal with a little bit of a sinus infection last uh, week. Oh, Val's got that right now. Well, I'm the not worst. sure. My husband had one, so I. Oh, the worst. Allergies will doing it to everybody on the East Coast, Bill. I think that's what's happening here too, and it just got nasty. And it's not the worst. There's a million things worse, but I'm just a baby. Yeah, some, ah. somebody drove a uh, dump truck into a pollen tree somewhere. Jersey, yeah, we're all yeah. sneezing. You know, you know. Yeah. I look at it as a chance to just watch TV. <laughs> I do really want to just lay down right now. <laughs> well, Val, do I the really news and go home. No, really, I'm not going you, home. I'm not that sick. Have you done the neti pot, Val? No. Okay, we got to brave it. It'll oh. it'll cut this thing in half by half the time. But it's it's like. Uh, it's like putting a slip and slide in your nasal cavity. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so and, you know, uncomfortable. Gonna, a few things are going to pop out, you know, things that you don't really recognize. <laughs> you know, maybe a lost set of car keys and a, and a dice. <laughs> but it'll cut, that, it'll, cut that, it'll cut that infection in half. Uh, the neti pot is nasty. It is nasty. Do you wash the neti pot after every time? 
Yeah, you have to. Yeah. What do you do? But like in the dishwasher or like? <laughs> well, I let it soak in soapy water, and then I run it through the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a nice. little. I'm not quite as bad as you, but I'm maybe two games back. Yeah, my. I, I'm not like that germphobic. That's blown out of proportion for comedic purposes. But what I would say mm-hmm. is. This. <laughs> No, you're germophobic, dude. I'm not. I'm, I'm somewhere between Howie Mandel and Randy Bauman. I'm I not afraid. Somewhere. No, he's extreme. I'm not afraid of of those situations. I just recognize them. Yeah. You yeah, you're super them. aware of it all. Yeah, like I was talking the other day about like the nurses in hospitals who walk around with one of those like uh, the, the the straws sticking out of their yeti all day. That sounds dirty. I know. <laughs> I was just saying, I don't think that should be revealed. As yeah. your Yeti. Yeah, as your Yeti. No, you know, I you got a straw I, I poking out of your Yeti. Day, don't, that makes me think that there's a secret world of medicine we don't know about. How doctors and nurses can walk through the hospital day after day, not sick, baffles me. Dude, some girl at the airport last week, before I, I was on my way to New Orleans, and uh, I bought um, uh, a water from one of the kiosk places or whatever, and she's coughing on her hands nonstop and gives me the money back. I'm like, oh. are you sick? Oh, I go, are you boo. sick? And she, and she goes, yeah. And I go, for real? I'm like, <laughs> for real? <laughs> for just, real? You just coughed all over my money and gave it to me? Did you like, Venmo me or something? I know. But she looked like she was so bummed. I'm like, I'm sorry you're sick. I'm like. Just yeah, lie. I'm like, Say you it's know, allergies. come on, just lie to me. Be like, no, I'm not sick. <laughs> Go ahead, keep snorted some pepper. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like stuff like that. I'll recognize it, but I'm not like it doesn't ruin my day. All right, I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the neti pot, I would think, if it's your own, you know, gross neti pot. It's like the fire hose of nasal infections. I don't think that's something you borrow from the neighbor either. No, no you can't loan that neighbor. out. No, you don't borrow or loan that out. And when it's over, you got to burn it. <laughs> yeah, because don't they kind of look like little teapots? Yes. Yeah. But you would never use it as that. You wouldn't? No, it looks like a squeeze bottle. That's how it got its name, not teapot. Yeah. Oh, really? No. Uh. I, have, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> hey, you know what, Bob? That was good. You had me. I was like, really? No kidding. <laughs> You should have gone with it, pal. <laughs> Just made it up. I'll believe almost anything you guys tell me. Oh, God. All right. Billy uh, Gardell hanging with us here, and Val's got your news right Good now. Good to be back. On the Here's TV Morning Show. the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Center 11. It's 64 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. American Airlines passengers soon won't be able to board flights with their support goats, but your support mini pony is allowed. Thank God. American has unveiled some adjustments to their support animal policies. Goats are out as well as support hedgehogs. Which <laughs> that, I don't know that's not can... a thing. It's I mean, not a thing. That's like self contained. No, it's not real. You you need you need you you need to be tranquilized. Insects? Who has a support insect? My support <laughs> praying mantis yeah, prays the whole way in the centipede. You know, I want to know if, if I fly O'Connell with one of those support jackets on, do I get a discount on his ticket, you think? Yeah, he's got to keep his yeah. legs out of the aisle. It, yeah, he's got to sit on your lap. Joe, Joey O'Connell from Penn Hills is my support animal. i got to get him one of those red jackets, and maybe we can get cheaper <laughs> deals on tickets. Yeah, you got to get him on the treadmill so he can fit in the overhead compartment. That's right. 
Um, in a red jacket and some sunglasses. Sugar gliders are not allowed. That is what like is that? uh it's like it looks what? like a what flying is that? squirrel. It's I don't little, even know what that is. It's like a fly it looks like a flying squirrel, but it doesn't fly, it just crawls around. Oh my god. I bet a million people are Googling sugar gliders today. Uh snakes sugar support gliders. snakes not allowed. No, uh, they're not. Support animals also have to be I trained. Think, I think that the problem that I'm having is that it's a mischaracterization. It's not a support animal unless it can actually support you in doing something like a seeing eye dog. You need right. that. It can help you across the street. If you got a right. snake or a, a warthog or, or you know a well, here's what it is: is that they provide comfort for the emotionally unstable. So yes. that they yeah, well, you anxiety. know what, man? If you if you if you if you need a snake or a warthog, you shouldn't be flying. I'm Let's just you. say it. <laughs> a warthog. Well, yeah, the point I was going to make is like they need these things for like you know pet to, to pet them, mm-hmm. like to calm yes. themselves down. They're like, comfort animals. Like, look, They're man, not support animals. Right. You need to get a whoopee. You need to get yeah. a. a, yeah. a you stuff. know what they used? To, you know what support animals used to be? Bloody Marys. Have three and just fly. <laughs> Support animals also have to be trained to behave properly in public and be under control at all times. The new policy goes into effect on July 1st. Flashy weddings might be bad for your marriage. A new survey found couples who have uh, big, expensive, flashy weddings are more likely to get divorced. Couples who spent more than thirty grand on their big day were more likely to worry about impressing their guests when wow. compared to couples who spent under $10,000. Val, will you say what you spent? Um, we were, like, probably between there. Between the two? Yeah. We were way under what people normally spend. Yeah, we were, too. Billy, Billy where were you at? We were, we were way under. Just because we waited so long, we were like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> <laughs> the fairy we tale isn't going to happen. 2600 bucks. Nice. Oh, was it just the two really? of you? Just the two of us. That's that was great. it. Yep. A new I survey. Go, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no, no go no, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's nothing funny now. The train left the station. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. But more wedding stuff. A new survey asked women what is the one thing they wish they could change about their wedding day. The top five their things. Groom. Ba-da-bump. <laughs> <laughs> top five things were the dress, the venue. The number of guests, how they wore their hair, and a longer or shorter engagement before the wedding. Number of guests is always, there should be, like, yes. none. You like, way, like, wide, way less. Yes, whatever you had, m- divided by five. You know what I wanted to do, and Serena, and Serena nixed it? I wanted to have auditions. You want to oh, come like support that. us? What are you bringing? Show us a dance move. You got any magic tricks? What are yeah. you bringing let me, to the let table? Me, let me see how you act after you've had four shots of Jameson. If you're going to leave after the cake comes out, you're not coming. Because <laughs> we got to pay 80 bucks a plate, Yeah, and it's not worth it. Some of the like wedding that. traditions that are going strong, those old school things still uh, that people still do today, include having a traditional wedding cake, having the first dance, tossing the bouquet or the garter, Having the bride and groom not see each other before the ceremony and having a formal sit-down dinner. I think the That's only nice. the only one of those we did was the first dance. I yeah, like the not seeing that. each other before before the wedding. Yeah, I think we, we should that. go back to that like a day a week. 
<laughs> I don't want to see you before the weekend. Just, yeah, I don't want to see you before Saturday. I wear the weekend's nice. Ah, I'd build it up nice. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for us, I, I probably would have done a different venue because we got married in, like, the rainforest room of Phipps Conservatory. Ooh, steamy. And everybody's hair looked like they had a home perm kit on site. <laughs> so that, oh, yeah. that was not great. Everybody had sweat necks. Uh, we got married in the humidity tunnel at Kennywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any that of that. wasn't great. I don't think any of those things I would have changed. I wouldn't have changed anything, um, and I'll tell you why. We we did our thing, and uh, we were in Hawaii, and I had a gig. I had a, a commercial gig. I got a commercial gig, and we stayed three extra days and eloped in Hawaii. And, and I talked to uh, – I asked my um, my dad and my mom, and she asked her dad and mom, you know, were you guys okay with us, uh, you know, going away to get married in Hawaii? And they were all very supportive because, you know, they knew at the time we didn't have a lot of money, and – you know, we're on the West Coast. It was just easier. And then Patty, uh, we had a beautiful little wedding ceremony, just me and her. And then um, she was like on the way home. She was like, are you sure you're okay with... Because we made the guest list, and I had like, you know, 250 300 on my side. I think she had 13 on her side. <laughs> so, so we just didn't do it. But on the way back, she was like, are you sure you're okay with it? And then we went to a Pittsburgh fire hall wedding about 10 days later. Two fights, one cop appearance, an old lady without her shirt, and at least three people puking in the parking lot. I said, yeah, I'm fine with what we did. Yeah. Those are, that sounds like a fun-ass wedding, though. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not yours. Right, right. When you're in the middle of a tornado, it's a blast. But if if it's your wedding, that, yeah. that's a little stressful. Bill, uh, they were Randy was like looking at me like I was the biggest dumb dumb in the world when I was like, there was a Steeler cruise. Remember the first Steeler cruise? And I was like, I'll get married on the Steeler cruise. Serena was into it, and Randy's like, What are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe we get blessed by Louis Lips. I, you know, I mean, it's. He, he he was serious. I was dead oh, serious. I know he was serious. You should have let it get just far enough that Serena had to hear the pitch. Yeah. That's what that I was trying to prevent. No, that would have been good entertainment. And then while he was at your house for the weekend, he could have rethought his plan. <laughs> I was like, you cannot go to your wife with this plan, dude. No, if the, re if the reception starts, yeah, if the reception isn't going well, we play Renegade, everybody's back on the dance floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bring it back. Come on. That that would have been awesome. You got a picture of me, Serena, and Fast Willie Parker. Bill Hillgrove does the play-by-play, -play, mispronounces your names, gets them wrong, and someone corrects them halfway through. Yeah, Todd Shilkin. You vows, know, Bill, start... this couple looks like a, they're going to make it for a long time. What do you see down there? Well, Chalooch, I can tell you right now, that cake is looking really good. That's all you need. People just chanting defense. <laughs> A zoo in Western it. Canada is in trouble for taking a bear off-premises to go get some ice cream. Discovery Wildlife Park in Alberta facing charges for allowing a ranger to drive the Kodiak bear to a local Dairy Queen. They captured it all in a video. It shows the bear named Berkeley sitting inside the pickup truck while the owner of the Dairy Queen leans out of the drive through window to give it an ice cream cone. I've seen that. The head zookeeper insists Berkeley was safe and so was the public because... Well, the bear was on a chain. I mean, 
Come oh. on. It's, and he had a permit. Turns out the zoo is also facing charges stemming from an incident last year in which a zookeeper took Berkeley home every night to be bottle fed and did not notify fish and wildlife officials. Like a lot of times them zookeepers are just like uh, your crazy friend who uh, had exotic animals. He's like, it's fine. I know what's going You know, I know how to take care of this uh, uh, lizard. This monitor lizard, and then all of a sudden you're like, it got out, and it's in the living room, and he's like, oh god, oh crap! <laughs> right? Like those people are the people who go on to become zookeepers, but they get degrees. Yeah, it'll be a week or two, and we're going to see Berkeley the bear on American Airlines. <laughs> no, without a doubt, this is my support bear. Airbnb for foodies? Well, there is a program called Traveling Spoon that allows vacationers to. Really experience the unique foods of places all over the world by allowing them to enjoy those foods in real people's homes. This is dangerous. Wait, what are we I doing? thought you would be into this. No, this is how you get a collar bomb put on. <laughs> what are you talking about? How's this? What? So it's like Airbnb, <laughs> but just for food. So you go to someone's house and they cook food in whatever exotic location you're in. That's football if, Sunday. If you are hesitant to eat in a stranger's home, Traveling Spoon says it makes a safety or makes safety a top priority for travelers and hosts. Each host goes through a detailed application process and three rounds of interviews before getting hired. And Traveling Spoon employees personally eat at the home of prospective hosts, making sure they follow all food safety regulations. I have friends who do stuff like that, and I they they enjoy imagine. that more. You know, they really get off on like, no, we had a personalized experience. No, our trip here was completely, it was a personalized experience. I met up with them at Jazz Fest in New Orleans. I'm like, what hotel you guys stay in? They're like, oh, we uh, we rented a house in the ghetto. I'm like, <laughs> they got nice hotels. They're like, no, we wanted the real experience. And they, like, that is their vacation. And to me, I'm like, that's just... I can't. I'm. That's awesome that you guys can do that. I they have would, a pet emu. It's, yeah, it's great. Our neighbors told us, don't go out after dark, and why did we do this? It's exactly what we wanted. <laughs> I'm like, oh, if that turns you on, that's yeah, cool. I, I work too hard for that. I, I haven't slept anywhere that doesn't have a 750 thread count in a long time. <laughs> I'll tell you something else. I'm not going to some stranger's house for that kind of food experience. (laughs) My luck, you pull in, and it's going to be like Hannibal Lecter, and they're like, good evening, come in here. (laughs) Eating your own brain by the time the night's done. Yeah. Hey, didn't we see a dog when we came in here? Don't worry about that. <laughs> in music news, with the number 31 debut of Shadow of Your Love, Guns N' Roses have a single on Billboard's mainstream rock songs chart for the first time since Better in 2009. This new song off the upcoming expanded edition of Appetite for Destruction is the first cut by the original Guns N' Roses lineup to chart chart since Patience, which peaked at number 7 in 1989. The album is due out June 29th. You can hear that song here on DVE. How did you guys feel... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going on to Thorpe, but go ahead. I was going to say, how did you guys feel about the inductions for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I've been sick. I'm sure you've been through it, but how did you feel about that group? I mean... There was nobody not worthy, I didn't think. It was just a matter of execution. You know, I mean, they got the cars in just before they weren't able to do it anymore. Moody Why Blue- did Mark Knopfler not show up with Dire Straits? I really like him. I really like that band. Can't they put it aside for one day to go into the Hall of Fame together? I don't know. Nope. I, I, some people think the Hall of Fame is stupid, and I, I, I see that point. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I, I, I totally understand when people have 
you know, are completely indifferent to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It makes perfect sense to me because it is so political and so BS. And it's exactly it is an institution with its own set of uh, internal politics. And that's what rock and roll is supposed to rebel against. It's supposed to be no rules. Screw you. Not like, you know, oh, boy, I hope I get, you know, knighted by the queen. That's just. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. I, I kind of get that. But once you're successful and Coca-Cola and Miller and Corona are sponsoring your events, you got to be careful about casting sellout stones. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is it does a good job of sort of reintroducing some acts to people so that they can capitalize on a tour. You know, it's not like those people get paid for that stuff. No, nah, um, it's a great jam session at the end. They didn't do that this year, though, nope, did they? Nope, they didn't. Because they didn't, because their schedules, they they didn't show up with enough time to rehearse. Yeah, and this was the first time that a, an artist was not inducted by someone, which is what happened with that Dire Straits. That was sad. It was just weird, yeah. It was like three guys who were in the band. And they're like, uh, sorry, the Nofflers aren't here. And this is awkward. Like, don't um, they have a house so MC that could come out and say something? I like a the local Moody. DJ. Yeah, I like the Moody Blues induction. They sounded great. Well, they are also like, uh, like I don't know. They seem like kind of like characters, like drunk old Englishmen. <laughs> like you know, the one guy's hair we, was so we, great, I just couldn't get over it. Would Would we say that Bon Jovi is the best hair band? Would that be a? Is yeah. That a would I, you say that they're the king of the hair bands after this? Well, they kind of transcended hair band status. Because they were like hairband to His me hair changed so is much. the only thing you're known for really is one or two hits and your hair. Like right. I would say, okay. like Poison Poison's Cinderella. a hair band more, right. okay. even though they had more than one or two hits. But like Cinderella, Kicks, Keel. <laughs> okay, like that's kind of what I, I think. I have to say, I liked I liked uh, Bon Jovi's and his band's speeches the best. I thought they were the coolest. I didn't realize he hasn't changed members very much through the years. Nah, I mean, I know the saga was Sambora, but it was well, great. Well, Sambora needs medicated, but the rest of them sounded really cool. And I like Stern's induction of them. But you they know, cut. Yeah. pretty good. They cut because <laughs> yeah, John's acceptance was 20 minutes at the ceremony. Oh, and so they cut set. him and they cut... A lot of Stearns. Imagine sitting there for four and a half hours oh. listening to Oh, they to these cut people. Stearns? I didn't yeah. know that. That was still 14 minutes. And yeah, a friend of mine. He was pissed if, about if it. If it's going to be like that, though, and we're going to be real rock fans, I think if your acceptance speech is 20 minutes, somebody should stand up and start yelling, Play Runaway! Play Runaway! <laughs> yeah. I don't disagree. But like, um, what's her name? Uh, Nina Simone was inducted, right? Mm-hmm. Right. She's incredible. She is awesome. And the documentary on Netflix is essential viewing. But she's not rock and roll. Yeah. There's nothing rock and roll about it. Well, there's a lot of those in the rock and roll. Yeah, Donna Summer's in there. It's, it's stupid. Finally, the actress who played Lois Lane in the original Superman movie has passed away. Uh, Margot Kidder died on Sunday in Montana. The cause has not been released. She was 69 years old. She co-starred with the late Christopher Reeve in the 78 Superman film and its three sequels. She also had a stint on Broadway, guest roles on TV shows Smallville and Brothers and Sisters. Kidder was public about her struggle with bipolar disorder and did serve as an advocate for mental health. 
Forecast today, scattered showers and thunderstorms. Temperatures near 80. It's 65 at DVE. All right, quick break. We'll be, uh, be right back. Mike Pursuta with Sports More with Billy Gardell. I'm on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's going on? Sports this hour brought to you by Caseta by Lutron. Smart lighting controls. The Pirates take on the White Sox tonight. That was a robust box. That was good. Yeah, you know, I got nothing else to watch right now. Ah, they're playing good, Bill. And they have That's it, what I'm saying. They have it kind of figured out, at least so far. Just give the report. Pirates are 12 and 6 at home and 11 and 11 on the road. Say it quiet, say it quiet, say it quiet. The uh, two out of three against San Francisco over the weekend began good. a. Begin a stretch when the Bucks will, will play 15 of 18 games at PNC Park. <laughs> if they can keep winning two out of three at home. Yeah, chunk. There's a chunk there, Mike. There's a chunk. And keep going 500 on the road. They will yes. be. They will have a fine record at the end of the year. Box. <laughs> That's very positive. They'll have a fine record at the end of the year. Well, I couldn't do the math in my head. Dandy old record. <laughs> Right now they're twenty three and seventeen a game out in the NL Central. The White Sox stink ten and twenty seven. That's the worst record in Major League Baseball. Maybe the Pirates can make a little hay tonight and tomorrow against the Pale Hose. I am hopeful. I am hopeful. Pale Hose, by the way, is one of my favorite nicknames for a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> you know how those develop sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pale hose. Like the box. Like Cheatriots. Well, I wasn't going there, but you know that's a popular one as well. Well, that's why I go there. Josh Harrison 0 for 3 with a walk in seven innings playing for the Altoona Curve. Last night, his rehab assignment has begun. Nick Kingham started that game for the Curve, which theoretically keeps him on pace to start Saturday against San Diego the next time the box will need a fifth starter. But five innings, seven hits, and four earned runs may or may not have changed those plans. couple signings for the Steelers yesterday. Two of the players who uh, got a shot on a tryout basis at rookie minicamp over the weekend have been added to the 90-man roster. Wide receiver Damon Patterson of Youngstown State and offensive lineman R.J. Prince of North Carolina. Vegas beat Winnipeg 3-1 to in Winnipeg last night in Game 2 of the Western Conference Final. That evens that series at one game apiece and sets up a potentially Decisive game three in Vegas uh, since the, the NHL. Flower. The flower could three peat. Flower power. Mm-hmm. Since Isn't the NHL all? went to the. That's all I got to root for in the NHL right now is Flurry. Three leave. Since the NHL went to the conference uh, format in 1974 75, series in the conference finals or semifinals that are tied at a game of peace go to the winner of game three 81.4% of the time. Game three winner in one ones at this stage is thirty five and eight. That's a pretty significant number. Caps host the Lightning tonight. Washington leading Tampa Bay two games to none. That's an eight o'clock start on NBCSN. Team USA falls to Finland six to two in the final game of the preliminary round in the World Hockey Championship in Denmark. If I've got this figured out correctly, uh, the U.S. will take on the Czech Republic Thursday in the quarterfinals. I may not have this figured out correctly because it's complicated. But that's uh, 
That's what I'm going with right now. And uh, last but certainly not least, the Supreme Court has deemed the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act unconstitutional. States did, you are, hear my, did you hear my woohoo from California yesterday? <laughs> states are now free to uh, set up any type of legalized gambling operations that they see fit. All the leagues and players associations have chimed in on this. At least it seems as if all of them have since yesterday. Another guy who did that was Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Washington Capitals. He issued a statement. What did he say? He said the Supreme Court's decision to repeal the federal ban on sports betting and clear the way for legalized sports betting across the country is in many ways the logical outgrowth of fans' obsession with data. It brings a multi-billion dollar industry out of the shadows and into the sunlight where its integrity can be guaranteed and consumers can be better protected. I believe today's decision will change the face of sports fandom for the better. I, I believe what you believe, Mike, and I wonder how the gentleman that I usually talk to about teams during the season will be affected. The bookie dynamic <laughs> will be forever lost. Nah, I'm staying with my guy. I like him. I, I, should, I mean, you know, my, my consultant. I should, cl- I should clarify when Leonsis <laughs> says he believes the decision will change the face of sports fandom for the better. He means Improve better, B E T T E, or not? Not the better, not better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> better, not yeah. better. I think it's. I think it's going on now. We and I think you know the government might as well cash, cash in. in. Yeah, they're definitely because cashing in. This just in: everybody needs money to build bridges and roads and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it's become yeah. like the mar- the marijuana industry. It's like legalize it and get that tax money. In Roosevelt's day, they had the Works Progress Administration. Today, you got caps minus one and a half. <laughs> I wish we had the WPA. Something like it, anyways. Seems like maybe the, pro- the gambling revenue can allow us to to fix some bridges. Yeah, seems like a perfect time for the WPA too. Does it not? With the infrastructure crumbling and whatnot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. WPA, too. Yeah, well. Isn't the Attorney General also calling for the legalization of recreational marijuana? Which Attorney General? Ours. That's, uh, PA. Pennsylvania. I know the mayor weighed in on it. Yes. I mean, there's that's about it's about time they do that, too. Plus, think how much better you'll feel when the Steelers give up that, oh, by the way, touchdown for the backdoor loss. They say, well, <laughs> I lost. Well, see, now, now, I lost, I but we'll fix the... Bloomfield Bridge now. Yeah. You know, man, I, I think that that's the other the other side of this. If we're going to go, let's go all the way, man. You you should know your point spread going into the game, and, you know, that could alleviate trash touchdowns or force an extra field goal when we need one. <laughs> Teams playing for the, for the spread? Yeah. So, yeah, man, we could either take a knee or we could cover, and everybody in Pittsburgh will cheer and eat pierogies. Bill, I got Send news for you. Field goal unit. Every major college football program's been doing that for a yeah. long, long time. time. <laughs> Nick Saban seems to be particularly good at that. Yeah. Their alumni, uh, he knows. It's gonna their take boosters w- are going to win their bets. You know, it's always been fun over the years to listen to Al Michaels, though, because he'd always sort of... For some people... Cleverly yeah. uh, tip his hat. Factor things in. <laughs> Whereas Brett Musburger yeah. would be like... And now it's over, yeah. and I had the over yeah. because I gambled on this game. I'm Brent Musburger, and I and had that chick in the stands is super hot, yeah. isn't she? 
There's a touchdown that nobody cares about unless you live in Cincinnati. Quick break. We'll be right back. More with Billy Gardell on DVE. It's the DVE Morning Show. And Billy Gardell is joining us from Los Angeles this morning. Guys. What's up, cousin? Uh, cousin? Billy, you excited for the royal wedding this weekend? <laughs> no, but I'll be coming to the Benetton in November. Ah, that's and, Pittsburgh uh, royalty. That's the that, homecoming that royalty. Second, that, that second show has uh, uh, got a few tickets left. Just want to remind people that you can uh, still get tickets for that second one. 412. Friday, I think that. Which is chronologically the first one, but then let all that confuse you. Yeah, we don't want to confuse no one. So the add-on got tickets left. Um, You know, you know, I thought about uh, me me and believe it or not, me and O'Connell, Joey O'Connell from Penn Hills, we were talking about the royal wedding on our uh, flight to our gig last week, and we decided that we want to get those uh, um, those hats. Uh, What do you call them? What's the oh, word for them? You mean like the police officers have over there? No, 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 no. The people wear these to the weddings. They're called oh. the, is it, I don't know, is it the agitator? What are they called? I don't know. No, that was, that was uh, Ricky Vaughn's outpitch in Major League Two. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's, 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 there's those big hats they all wear with the crazy like plume in it or, or like a sculpture coming off the side of it. And we decided we want to get those when we wear them on the airlines. <laughs> I mean, you know the hats I'm talking about? No. Everybody wears these hats to that wedding. The fascinator. 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 On that, they're called fascinators. It's a little hat, and it has like a. I don't know. It's got like a fern connected to it, or, or they got <laughs> right. like a. You know, it's just like crazy. So I just want. I think cluster of butterflies or something. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, mine mine is going to be a uh, a giant pillow connected to it, and O'Connell's is just going to be a hat with a plate with uh, with deviled eggs on top <laughs> that you can walk by and grab. I Those see. are going to be our fascinating smelly hat, Bill, like a serving tray. <laughs> a new survey of two thousand people with kids found the average parent only gets twenty one minutes of me time a day. Moms get even less. 56% said they get less than 15 minutes of time to themselves each day. Surprised it's that much. Yeah. My kids are, like, when my wife pulls into the driveway, my kids are screaming out the window. I said, let her get out of the car. <laughs> Can she get out of the car? Can she wait, have wait, that walk I upstairs? That. Wait, wait. Say, say that again, Sloth. The average parent only gets 21 minutes of me time a day, like alone time. And moms. Alone time. And that's, that is buffeted by the dads because the moms get much less. They get less than 15 minutes. Right. I would agree with that. The right. kids are just draped all over her as soon as she walks in the damn door. Four more stats on how overwhelming it can be to have kids. Parents are so busy, they don't always have time to sit down and eat. The average parent eats. 156 meals a year standing up. <laughs> Surprised it's not more. I can confirm that. I, I think I've hit the over on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you can do that legally, Bill. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I'll be betting on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I eat standing up a lot, and I live alone. I mean, 
If I'm yeah, like, I like just I make it in the kitchen. I'll eat it while I'm like hanging out there. And yeah, uh, to... when you're when you're single, the kitchen sink might as well be the kitchen table. <laughs> it's just yeah, everything. there's so, there would be something like almost psychopathic. Like you'd be a serial killer if you ate by yourself. Set the table at a table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's not yeah, okay. Wiped on all the silverware and breathed on it and wiped it again before you started eating. Put on some music. Light a candle. Yeah, light a candle. <laughs> There's no way you Put don't. Put your dog on the seat across from you and yeah. talk to it. Right. There's no, but, no way your you. your dog talks back. If you do that, there's probably an 87% chance you have somebody tied up in the basement. Yeah. No question. Good evening. Welcome to my food a- Airbnb. 47% of parents say it's impossible to completely take a day off from parenting, even when they're sick. And on average, they feel sick or exhausted 84 days out of the year. But they I would just, say that's. I would listen. I would say that's true with moms. I have seen my wife with a fever, bleeding out of her eyes, still up and doing for Will. Yep. Which is why it's such a gift if your mom is in the house because I think I'm a lot like my dad. If I'm sick, hey man, you know this is going to be a good Lord of the Flies day for you. <laughs> You're going to learn to fend for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> I really hope I see you again when I wake up. <laughs> My dad used to put a yellow sticky on the fridge. It said FFY on days that he wasn't going to be around. Fend for yourself. Fend for yeah. yourself. Yeah. That's right. Uh, 57% say being a parent has made them gain weight, partly because they don't have time to eat healthy and end up snacking a lot. Sure. Uh, I came in playing at the heavyweight division. <laughs> well, is that in all the drinking? That too. Yeah, that that too. And not sleeping. And you don't have time to work out. And, you know, there's a myriad of reasons why that's true. And 62% of parents say their own health is a lower priority than their pet's health. That's crazy. Uh, than yeah. their pet's health? Yeah. Are they, are they calling their kids their pets or what? what's happening there? Well, saying well, they, they the kids their kids are the such the priority that okay. they don't even put themselves above their pets. Oof. Particularly if the pet's a support animal, because they might have to take a flight. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I don't uh, subscribe to that. If it's, you know, if it's between me eating or or the pet eating, you know, we're probably going to get another pet. (laughs) I definitely take better care of the dogs than me. Oh, I know. That's well, dog people and cat people do. I I get it. They're like relatives. And I guess they behave better. For most stories that I hear, I see like a slow camera pan into Val's bedroom. The dogs and Tim are on the bed. Val's on the dog pillow at yep, the foot of the bed. That's pretty close. <laughs> Billy Gardell, uh, live from Los Angeles, Gosh. with us this morning. He'll be back Gosh. in town in November, and tickets are on sale for the uh, the second for the second show, shows. which is actually the first show. But right. we're not getting into that. Don't right. let that confuse you. Yeah, the Saturday night show is sold out. The Friday night show still has tickets. Get them at 456-6666-trustarts.org. Billy, thanks so much. I love you guys, man. Love Great talking with Billy. everybody, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. God bless. Yeah, if you were listening on iHeart earlier and it wasn't working, we'll get the bugs, the kinks worked out for you there, and uh, we'll do that as soon as possible. Thanks to Doug Kazarian from ESPN discussing the possible legalization of sports gambling in states across this country. And a big thanks to FBI agent Jerry Clark for uh, giving us a call and talking about evil genius in his book, Pizza Bomber. Another really good interview. Riveting. Yeah, that guy was great. Could have talked to him all day. Awesome.
Uh, tomorrow on the show, Mark Madden, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, and more stuff. That's it. Michelle's up next with the Electric Lunch at noon. Have a great day, everybody. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.